One. And we should be live. Gotta make sure Hello. we're live on YouTube. But episode 146, we have Avril, Custa, Jaws, people who followed Overwatch in the past few months on the podcast to discuss Overwatch. Uh, how's it going, guys? Overwatch uh, release week. Yeah, yeah Woo! this Woo! was oh, well, a terrible launch, unfortunately. I, I feel really bad. Okay, uh, I think it was kind of disappointing with how the launch went. But hey, it seems more stable now. Yeah, So apart from the hero thing, it like that. but yeah. We yeah. Can talk well, about I, that. It's been a week. <laughs> did they fix that? Yeah, it's been a they week. It shouldn't be happening. They right? did, like, apparently. Apparently. Well, yeah, everyone but, thought it was fixed until they did that, like, or they had that issue, and then, like, they had to take the service down a couple of times, yeah. which... They took it down for an hour last night, I think, from like yeah. 8 PT to 9 or something. But yeah, hopefully it's fixed. Because I love getting into a game where we have no heroes. Do you have like supports? Is Lucio, Moira, and Mercy. Every time yeah. people are like, which one do you want me to play? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I guess you have to play Lucio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, I've definitely been in that position. I mean, yesterday I queued ranked, and it was just like some of the most awful rank I've ever played. And I have never been in a lobby with someone else, by the way, just as a caveat. Me what? and Johnny's games, impossible. It, I, they it, were impossible. literally impossible. Like, I was sweaty after, like, games. Yeah. I, I, I placed Diamond 4, okay? So, it... it I, I feel washed, okay? I was literally embarrassed. When I was talking about stream, people came into my stream and they were like, hey, you know, it says in your title, you're a watch pro, whatever, like what rank are you? And I'm like, I'm diamond four. I've never in my entire life, never said that I'm diamond four in anything, except DPS, That's I guess, in Overwatch sad. one. I, it, it was a true sad moment, all right? So, um, you know, those, those diamond four games, I swear to God, Elo Hell might be a thing, guys. Jesus no, Christ, they, well, these games were you know, so difficult, <laughs> unbelievably, <laughs> ranking up challenge, impossible. They were difficult, to they be fair. They were difficult. Well, okay, yeah. the main reason, which I'm getting to, is because is of this hero DPS. bug, right? The oh, hero right. bug, um, it just ruined everything. And I apologize to the supports I played with. I was like, please, can we have a Senana? It just so happened. They were unable to swap to Senana in the first place because of the hero bug that only allowed the starting heroes. So uh, what, what a ranking experience yesterday was. That was a day of Overwatch indeed. Yeah, I also think there is like with this like soft MMR reset that they've done with dropping people quite low. I've This is always going to happen when you sort of like throw people into the fires of like let's see where everyone stands again is that i've had a lot of one-sided games where like you yeah. get into the game and your team just gets rolled or you roll and it doesn't feel like how you play has much impact on the game uh so that'll probably normalize as time goes on uh as people get to their true ranks but it's it's, it's been a wild week or you play against jake on Iconbold and he picks farah and then starts antagonizing our team on in fucking text chat saying one be one me on farah and then we get fucking rolled that wasn't fun i will say it <laughs> i'll be the uh... first to say it not fun playing against jake farah what's up everyone you, you guys are you guys are pretty brave you know playing through ranked and all that uh you know with a bit of instability i was away for the weekend as well it's like i'll get a rest i'll play on launch day i'll come back when <laughs> things hopefully quieten down a bit and uh I, I don't know it sounds like things are quieting down a little bit there's a little <laughs> bit of instability uh can't wait. Be better yeah. yeah you can't did dodge to... the bullet it was a week mm. i don't know i just i don't i'm not a, I, I didn't even play on like exact hour of launch because it launched like 5 a.m local for me or something like that and i'm like i just don't need to you know i'll, I'll wait till like I'll, I'll go to bed i'll wait till like another seven or eight hours I'll, I'll play later you know i just knew that day one especially was going to be a bit of a shit show and uh i don't know i just i hope they fix it soon i don't know i don't know what else they need to do 
I'm not a very technical guy. So but, uh, it seems like the DDoS week. thing is probably over, right? Like for the most part, the DDoS, bro, they've had a lot of issues with like migrating the accounts, like taking, because, you know, they introduced this first time user experience for people who never played the game before. And that was what we struggled with yesterday in that some accounts, even though they've played for a long time, they even have the watchpoint pack. They still were unable to select all the different heroes. So that was a problem. Console had like massive issues. Console had the most yeah. issues out of anyone. So if you're a console player, I, I feel bad for you. They were unable to log in when they migrated their accounts, like via the website. It's like everyone who's migrated their accounts can't even play in the, to begin with. So just an absolute just cluster of different issues. But it seems like we're getting there day by day. I just, I don't want to be that guy because I don't want to be like, oh, didn't they, they not test or something. But I feel like, you know, it's, maybe it's the mass, maybe it's the quantity, right? Maybe they, you know, obviously they tested, hey, does the migration work? Cool, it does work, done. But uh, is, it, is it just a server capacity thing? Is it just a large quantity of people trying to migrate? I don't know what it is, but it just feels like, uh, I, you know, obviously this, this launch window was very aggressive for the team. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there was maybe more testing required or something. Because my only fear with this entire launch was like, well, what if what if technical issues just drag it down? And I think it has dragged it down, but thankfully the game's been pretty solid, so people have been watching and playing regardless, which is yeah. a great silver lining. Do we I want... mean, you can never test a hundred billion people. Not obviously. Well, not a lot of servers do open people... betas for that reason, right? Like they they do an yeah, open but the beta account weekend. migration is not exactly something yeah, I guess you can that's test fair. for. You can test like the functionality of it actually working, right? They've probably got dummy accounts everywhere that they kind of do that, but you can't also test a hundred thousand accounts being merged at the same time while your servers are getting DDoS and stuff like that. They it happened with WoW too, like. A few WoW expansions, this has happened where everybody's logging on on day number one or day number two or whatever. And then it's like the easiest thing to DDoS in the world because there's already so much traffic. You only need to just tip over the edge and, you know, or the servers come tumbling down, basically. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I mean, it seems like they've recovered fairly quickly. Like, I only, I got hit with very small queues on day two. Day three, I was fine. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. People Apparently, still enjoying they did the game. So. Get DDoS yesterday, so I was completely wrong. They did yeah, DDoS they did. within the last twelve hours, so <laughs> it's, oh, not, really? it's oh. not over. But, but I think that's more of a Blizzard thing than just an Overwatch Two thing as well, because I, I've heard the yeah. WoW servers and stuff like that have been having issues as well. Yeah, um, gotta gotta suck to work on that tech team right now because obviously there's a oh, lot yeah. of games that are coming out the rest of this year. You know, they have World of Warcraft, like you mentioned, they're releasing Dragonflight in what December? Is it late November or December, something like that? November, yeah. Yeah, and then also, uh, you know, they they have Call of Duty, which I guess is not Blizzard, but it's still Activision Blizzard releasing a new Call of Duty, right? That's uh, Modern Warfare. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of anxious people at that company right now trying to sort out these issues. But I, I, I feel for it. Um, let's discuss some of the good things then. Like um, like you mentioned, I think it was Jaws, uh, a lot of people playing the game, a lot of people enjoying the game, uh, tons of variety streamers, uh, you know, most of which made use of this Twitch drop thing this past weekend. Uh, they found that pretty lucrative when it came to getting the views, but also just people who have enjoyed the game in general. Uh, I believe it was Moist Critical who released a review video yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, about 13, 15 minutes oh, talking yeah. about this experience. I didn't, I didn't watch the entire thing, but it seemed like uh, for most people, it was a pretty positive review overall. A lot of people are coming back saying they really enjoy the game now when it's not all about shields and stuff like that. They can actually express their aims, express their mechanics in a way that they couldn't before. So overall, it seems like a lot of people are coming back to the franchise and at least like enjoying the gameplay experience. 
And I think that's the underlining thing of everything is that like you can have a ton of complaints about the monetization system, battle pass, you know, heroes, all that kind of stuff, like the servers being bad, the launch being bad. But at the end of the day, the core gameplay and the fundamentals of it is fun. And that's what matters in the long term. In a year from now, people aren't even really going to remember the launch. You know, once the shops and the monetization model starts thriving and everything starts coming along, hopefully everything should be better. Uh, the question really remains of, obviously, it's great to have these big streamers playing it. You know, where we've been over 300k viewers for like consistently for about a week now, which is great. But once the drops fall off, once everything happens, is the viewership and everything and the player base going to remain healthy? And you know, hopefully it's it's a good sign to begin with, right? Like I did not think we would be here a week from now. Um, I mean, what's, what's healthy? What well, you had to define healthy as well. Because for me, like I think if we start competing with like CSGO, Apex and uh, well, maybe not Valorant for now, I think that might be optimistic. But anywhere on that level, I think we'd be pretty good. So like, even just like I think if we can get to tier two, I think solid tier two would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Would you classify as tier two on Twitch? Do you think that's like the second first row? Run of games second or row. The second row. <laughs> second row. Yeah, you're like Apex, row, okay. Apex, CS:GO, like those ones. Like as, as yeah. I said, we're not going to compete right with now. League of Legends or Valorant almost ever again. Like I just, I just think it's unrealistic with where we are right now. But if we can get into that row, that's a very healthy, sustainable game that has money coming into that you can do yeah. cool stuff. Like I, I think that it's a good, optimistic take for Overwatch too. Can I tell you what the second row right now is? It's as oh. of right now, live CSGO at 50k, Dota at 49k, Apex Legends at 43k. I think that's totally doable. I think we can 100% yeah. be there. Yeah. You know, Average even WoW at 59, like, I mean, I think we can beat WoW. Fortnite is 69. We're getting, we're getting a little oh, high yeah. now, but, you know, I, well, I, I would love to get categories carried by like two streamers. <laughs> so I can, uh, which is to be fair, most categories actually, not to buy. We can take a look at some of the, the, the viewer statistics so far. So this is Overwatch 1 right here on Solinon.com. It pulls like Twitch statistics, stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, Overwatch is dead, bro. Look at yeah, that. So, yeah, 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 this is, this is Overwatch 1. It's dead already. It's dead. Oh, my God. It's in the shit. 10 viewers. It's deadlining. It's 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 fucking gone. All it's right. It's on my stream. Uh, uh, rest yeah. in peace. Uh, but you can see here, like Sunday, eleventh September. You know, um, it, it sort of like oscillates before uh, between five and fifteen thousand. This is Overwatch viewers uh, hourly average. You know, so that's for the entire game. So between five and fifteen thousand. You know, oscillates for about you know what's that? Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks almost. Um, and here we go. Uh, this is channels. I'm not channel streaming. So you know, between three hundred to seven eight hundred there for about a two week stretch right there so you know not not the greatest time we go over to overwatch 2 deep breath in <gasps> it's now, alive this is this is like a fucking crypto chart right here dude <laughs> yeah, geez, and look, yeah. first of all it's overwatch 2 don't right? say so, that because then there's going to be a fucking pump and dump johnny uh yeah that's what i'm worried about look if people are dumping <laughs> overwatch 2 after the twitch drops we're in big trouble big trouble uh but yeah of course i mean there's like what nine viewers no one's streaming overwatch 2 right because Overwatch 2 wasn't out yet but oh, <laughs> right here it goes from you know uh, 45 20 000, uh, 5 000 viewers to it spikes to 576 thousand the gamestop it's pretty good yeah. pretty good. gamestop dude it's a short squeeze on overwatch Shorting. people were so down on overwatch dude that it just fucking short squeezed all the way up and now people are all in bro they're pretty george Geddes, they've been short squeezing us for so long they've been, yeah. they've been shorting us for so long so it's time we squeeze back man it's time we squeeze back i'm loving it all, the, all these squeeze big institutions back. bullying us now the, the overwatch family rise up 
to the moon uh yeah but it, it starts at like the 500k i suppose at like the peak of uh the release but then it goes down to you know what it's about 100 100 uh 200 um and then this is twitch drops i think twitch drops it maxed out at like 620,000 yeah. viewers and uh. you know it's gonna drop down because people get their skins or whatever but it's still yeah. you know we're about in like the 200,000 to 400,000 range i'd say like you know in terms of viewers and we'll see how this continues on when twitch drops i think twitch drops are live for like another week or so right another week or two there's yeah. two sets of twitch drops so there's the kiriko voice line and the skin and then there's next week starting on the twitch has labeled this wrong because when i went to collect my first two they said the new drop ends on the 17th it actually starts on the 17th which is the spray and the donut charm um the donut charm yes there's like two separate drops yeah i think most people have got the skin already but yeah the the, the spray and the donut charm is later on yeah um, on the starts on the 17th i think um uh, also we can't really see this because me, me and abril is in the way but also we have this overwatch 2 channels how many people are streaming overwatch 2 um uh, this one hovers based on time zones of course uh, but this one hovers around like four thousand four to ten thousand with the drops so you know just comparing four to ten thousand compared to four hundred to eight hundred it, it's literally like times ten as many people streaming overwatch uh as part of the release of course so interesting to see can how you, that keeps can you up check on something for me Sorry? so okay check on something for me. go into origi uh, original overwatch or overwatch one uh-huh yeah okay viewer ratio okay 14.6 okay go to overwatch two w where are you here 14.6 your okay, ratio 36.9 okay yeah. i was just uh yeah i was just curious because that would you would kind of think that indicates a lot of casual people that are not necessarily interested in like streaming overwatch and playing it in the long term more just there for the kind of uh drops i always think viewer ratio is really interesting on twitch at least because it's such a top heavy platform if that number is high it just kind of indicates that um like it's a top heavy game i'm i, I would be interested to see how that stats figures out like a month from now yeah yeah and like, that says there's 36 viewers per channel that is live on Overwatch, right so i think it's important to remember that overwatch does very well outside of twitch as well like i think it does really well on youtube like that as like especially from a casual audience the 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 animated porn industry is fucking thriving right now oh, in overwatch too. it is single-handedly <laughs> keeping tweet. us alive um so you know i appreciate like everything and like it feels like everyone and all those kind of forms of content not just the live one the only thing that we haven't really seen funnily enough a drastic increase in is overwatch league uh we actually didn't see much of a growth in the overwatch league we were still sitting around like 30 40k there's a little bit of a bump but not much and i'm kind of curious on like what causes something like that it's probably because of just discoverability on, on youtube like i feel like if it was on twitch and it had the same kiriko drop it would probably go absolutely mental but we don't have that uh and i think that's probably a bad thing for like what i can i uh, i want to pick up on something on that real quick um i want to compare god i feel like it just i feel bad i'm not sure if anybody else kind of has kind of picked up on this but i compare a lot of shit to like apex and stuff but i think this is a good example because apex is free to play and it didn't have the best like oh it had a good launch to be fair like when it originally came out right everybody was popping off everybody was fucking playing that game but then it kind of suffered a lull then over the last like two years or so or like a year and a half it's been popping off but like so is the esport it's definitely had some like trickle down there where like a lot more casual 
players are now tuning into the esport. And someone asked me in my stream the other day, like, how do you think it'll affect Overwatch League? And I don't think it'll affect it right away because I think people are more concerned about playing the game right now and just like gaming. Um, they might not be focused. This might not be their main game just yet. But if it does turn into people's main game, the trickle down in esports over time technically will be a lot better. It's the, the same kind of thing happened to Apex. Like when when it got popular again, like the numbers for ALGS and stuff did rise and like even like small tournaments like it did end up going up i think it just takes time for that to actually happen yeah i don't think we'll see like an immediate effect no and i mean there are so many different reasons why people would not tune into Overwatch league right now like first of all uh i don't know why my camera just froze we all uh, you and jack Bruce, yeah that is that is very weird. Except for Avril. Avril's looking great. Australian internet is rising up right now. Yeah, right it's actually now. getting better. It actually has improved <laughs> since you left. You're missing out, dude. Um, anyway, no one needs to see my face. I can just talk anyway. I hope the volume. I hope the volume works. That's all that matters. If if we have problems with the audio, and please in YouTube chat, please point that out to us. So we can fix that because it's a podcast after all. Audio is way more important than video. Um, but um, but anyway, yeah, I, I would be very, like, very surprised if the playoffs, maybe even the play-ons, is not like heavily advertised like for the Overwatch League. I, I, I think now would not be the time to try to get people to tune in to That's true. the Overwatch yeah. League, right? Like it's pointless games in the regular season. Um, some of these matches are pointless. Like the, the playoffs feel like a way more important thing. And I, you know, my approach going into this week when a lot of people were... I, th I think some people were way too optimistic was like oh we're going to see like the overwatch league youtube like double because all these people now interested in overwatch 2 are going to search out the overwatch league and find that stream and it's like no like i don't think i don't think like people care enough about the esport right now if people actually stay around and play the game for some extended amount of time and then you know that feed finds itself somehow like into their life and esports become relevant then yeah sure over time we'll build up that audience but i'm not expecting like people to just instantly like find interest in the overwatch league snapping the fingers just like overwatch 2 is released so i think we'll build it up slowly over time and i think playoffs is like the real deal breaker how many people can we get to tune in for the playoffs themselves I mean, especially once kiriko gets played even more than that yeah. i think uh, the finals right because that's actually that's the actual live event anaheim crowd best possible games I think uh, every esport peaks in viewership for their finals, right? Like that's that's the really important time. Um, you know, uh, hopefully stuff like viewership rewards. I'm sure that's all all going to be part of it, and, and large promotion, post stream on the Play Overwatch channel. Um, if there's a time to market your game and your your esport, I think you know you want to head towards the players. That's why I think the the timing of the release is insane. I'm sure it was all somewhat planned behind the scenes as well, but it's like release the game, have people play it, head into playoffs, head into finals, and then that being like the event that nexus event where like hey now everyone please come watch the overwatch league and then hopefully um they like enough to maybe get hooked to it and, and be ready to um come in next season or maybe watch some vods i don't know but uh i i think that's the key event the finals you know what would have been lit can you imagine if next month we had world cup that would have been crazy. Oh, that would have been, crazy. That would that have been crazy hard, insane. but yeah. yeah. Except, Scott, except to get to the World Cup, you need like this whole year-long phase of getting people there and, you know, like qualifying through and all that kind of BS. Like, like just invite all the good you countries just invite, in Australia. Like, to, okay, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what we need? Do, have we not had this yet? Have we not had like a Twitch Rivals like stream Overwatch 2 tournament yet? Is that, is that happened? No, no, I haven't done well, that. Well, it's only oh, just that come not happened. So... They'll probably like, and the so I'm glad that they it. didn't. Can you imagine if they tried to do one this week? It would have been a shit show. Okay, so you're I, right. You're right. You're right. Maybe not now, but like when, when we can do it stably, you know? 
Absolutely. In the next couple of weeks, it'd be awesome for, like, for them to do a Twitch Rivals. I'm not going to lie. Like, even it's it's a meme at the moment, but like, you know, people, I love all the people like, I'm going to leave Overwatch for Gundam. Um, They did a Twitch Rivals. <laughs> How's they did a Twitch Rivals. Let's look up yeah. Gundam real quick on Solid yeah. Gundam is better than Overwatch. I'm like, where is it now? Johnny's going for the juggler. Johnny's. Bro, bro, they're already dead, man. Stop it. Stop it, Johnny. Oh, <laughs> We're going to release an um, Overwatch-like game one month Space before. Space won the tournament. Space won the Twitch Rivals, by the way. He gets a free trip to Japan. That's actually not a bad reward. Who? Space yeah. won it. Space? Space? Yeah, space, Gladiator out, Space? Yes, Gladiated Space won the Gundam tournament. What? Twitch really? yes. What the fuck? I'm watching that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it was a different guy called SPVCE. There's no A. There's a V. Oh, yeah, my bad. My bad, guys. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Um, all right. Uh, so, you know, people are like, well, you know, Overwatch 2, they're not, they're not pro promoting the Overwatch League. I actually think that the Overwatch 2 marketing team is smarter than we give them credit for, all right? Because Here just we a couple go. of weeks copium. ago, <laughs> the copium, unreal amounts of copium. You guys should have seen the last episode. I, I was off the goop with some hopium right there in that episode. Um, but it, so basically, genius is at work. It was explained to me by unknown sources, uh, unknown as in you guys don't know them, but I know them, uh, that like, why would you advertise a free-to-play game before it's released and no one can play it? That's what I was saying, right? Like people were like, why would the you advertise- The source was Costa. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I told you, people kept saying like, oh my God, why aren't they marketing a game? It's like, why would you heavily market the game when you people don't have the ability to go press the download button? Like it's a free to play game. I think people are so used to like the pre-purchasing model and that kind of like style that like where it is important to like advertise it early and also overwatch didn't need to tell people what the game is like everyone knows what overwatch is it's one of the most uh recognizable fps games in the world so it's like i don't know i i think i i agree with johnny like obviously this this week in terms of service stability hasn't been good but i think the marketing team is doing a great job and i hope that that also means that we're going to get some overwatch league promotion when it actually matters as johnny said because this week was not the time to promote it hopefully going into the playoffs hopefully we get a button in the browser in the game which says overwatch league is live click that button it'll send you to the youtube it would be absolutely incredible if they could accomplish that yeah that is the only thing that's missing currently on the menu or like i think exit game is also missing on the menu which is kind of strange but the <laughs> well, yeah i don't know if anybody else has noticed that. i was like mm, you can't quit the game without hitting escape this time that is very funny uh i just found that interesting but yeah the overwatch league button that used to link to the store for overwatch league um and or, or the results page too that is currently missing. And yeah, when playoffs comes around, I really do hope they, I, I, in the most ideal world possible, honestly, would be you click the button and there's an embed of the stream. Um, and it has like the matches coming up. Maybe it links, there's another link that goes to the store where you can buy the skins. You keep obviously the Overwatch League skin tab in the store, but um, that would be, that's the biggest bit of hopium fucking ever. But just some sort of button or some sort of menu thing that has, oh, Overwatch League playoffs are now live. Grand finals are now live. You know, you know, if you stretch into 2023, oh, it's new season just sprung up. Um, we mentioned this last episode, I think, but the way League of Legends does it and Valorant does it, and when they have their little advertisements within the game, they could definitely do those too, I think. And I think that would be another like just a kind splash of a screen. Addition. They should literally put or on the splash, splash screen. screen. Yeah. And yeah. like you can have a you can have a new button really on the cool. splash screen, like not next to the menu, but on the other side, it's like Overwatch League Finals, and just have yeah. like 
a cool video with the trophy. I mean, it's basically what Worlds does. I mean, like, I feel like we got to start doing stuff like that. We got to stop being scared of it. Like, in, back it's in the day, probably not their priority though. Yeah, it's like a the Duma Duma point of that is like, okay, so what is their priority right now? Well, it's pumping out content because that's what a live service game is. Is it advertising the Overwatch League? And you know how yeah, much polished Blizzard like Jack. to put into things. John's yes. John's the commercial guy, and he's one of us. He's an owl fellow. Yeah, we got we got an insider. We got a random inside. Which is John on the inside. We put John in there. <laughs> that is the Duma quote, a Duma opinion, right? Is that yeah? It's really not a priority for them at all because technically they are a separate company in a way. Well, they're like I, under umbrella, but you know they're like different. I I think I side with the take that like at the end of the day, like overwatch or esports in general is marketing for the game in some way because you're like putting the best players on display and you know for we've sure. been over this before you know you can sell skins and stuff like that but i think there would be a massively missed opportunity and incredible oversight if you did not take advantage of the overwatch league finals and yeah. promoted that like this is the best overwatch players in the world competing in a finals that happens once yeah. per year so i fully expect some kind of marketing to go into that now what are they going to do i i am expecting bigger things than the past couple of years honestly um yeah. i i don't think there's any way that they're That'll going to hope. overlook this so i i hope we get i hope there is a big thing of like announcements happen during the finals i think that would be a yeah. big thing if they could tease something promote something give play give players a reason to come watch if you want to see the new thing uh i think that would also that'd also be a big thing as long as not teased in the literal middle of the grand finals we have to pause the entire grand finals yeah. to do some teaser as long yeah. as we don't do that again that might it happen should be, it should be hey? uh, yeah that probably will happen that probably might happen. happen yeah oh, no, please, <laughs> it's probably like on, a half time um but yeah, like even drops. Like I would not be surprised to see like drops or some shit for the payoffs. That, that would just well, we make had, sense. We've had that before, right? Yeah, yeah. we, we yeah, have that, had that before. Uh, Call of Duty has had it before as well. Like if we yeah. didn't, I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> what What are we doing? <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, but yeah, also the, the, the McDonald's thing, that's another example of like marketing oh, that's finally yeah. coming around. You know, we, that, is... it was kind of leaked like many months ago and forgot about it. And now finally, it seems like the McDonald's or Watch thing is happening. Avril? I'm the, yeah, I'm in, I'm actually in Australia. I, I don't know. I'm going to go in. When when it, when it actually drops, I'm going to go into McDonald's and fucking see what's up, and I will report back to the masses and tell everyone what's going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it better be in the US as well. There's no way they're only doing no, 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 in it's Australia. It's only Scott, what, Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott, well, you gotta, it's what you got to understand. McDonald's Australia has been in partnership with Blizzard ANZ for like years. Yeah. Right, it's it's tight. Age, we actually, yeah. people don't know, well, people in Australia know, so not you, Scott, but people people don't know about this. But um, true, the truth. Um, twenty nineteen, we had a contenders final in twenty nineteen. I think it might have been season two, um, held in Rod Laver uh, Arena. I, I am Big fully ready for you to say that this finals was played at a McDonald's, and uh, it was played inside the McDonald's like pool, <laughs> like a little like a little pool pit, like a little foam pit. <laughs> uh, but it was actually it was actually deep in the TwitchCon one, so no one got hurt. No, what I'm trying to say is, um, no, actually, no, seriously though, what I'm trying to say is that McDonald's had a promotion where the nearby McDonald's, I think it might have been more than nearby McDonald's, the takeaway bags had the contenders logo on it. Yeah. I shit you that not. That's pretty sick. Wow. Yeah. So, the, so they were they were cross promoting Overwatch contenders on the takeaway bag for the McDonald's. It was a fucking Overwatch contenders logo. I thought it was the sickest thing I've ever seen. Um so McDonald's Australia and uh and Blizzard have been they've been they've been pretty tight for quite a few years now. So like none of this surprised me. It's actually pretty poggers. Um yeah, I'm gonna go in and see what's up. All right, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we get that as well. Uh, so we have that.
we have you know halloween is coming up as well so hopefully we have like some kind of like you know not junkenstein's revenge uh it's got junkenstein revenge too let's go uh you know we got the overwatch league uh finals or playoffs taking place um and then hopefully you know something with that so th there are some things like you know in the mix here and maybe you know hopefully at twitch rivals i'm just saying like the, the, the it's finally in motion. The Overwatch 2 marketing campaign is in motion and we're actively doing things. So I'm looking forward to see if there's more stuff. Who knows what there's going to be. But there are a few events or like holidays coming up where I suspect hopefully there will be some kind of uh, good things coming our way. So the game is finally out. Hopefully the worst of the tech issues is behind us and we got some good things coming out. And now let's transition into one of the coolest things that happened this past week. It was of course the Kiriko cinematic that premiered at TwitchCon as well. Finally, a new cinematic. It's been forever, quite honestly, it feels like. I can't remember the last time. Did you like... forget the Junker Queen one? Yes, I did. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That true? <laughs> okay, my excuse is well. True. Never mind, I don't have an excuse. The, the Kuriko, <gasps> Kuriko thing, woo! Yeah. The Kuriko one <laughs> felt more in line. Like, the Junker Queen one was cool. But this one felt more in line with like the earlier ones where it's like there's a yeah. tragedy and it makes you feel emotional. Like I wasn't emotionally attached to Junker Queen with her story, but like Kiriko, like and everything is just like, you know, it just made it hit you in the feels like they used to in the it past. It is emotional, bro. Yeah. Everybody be crying in the club. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or what, but you know, these kind of things just, you know. Hit me, hit me right there. And also, it had some fun. Like the fight scene was fucking awesome. The the little kid running with the axe was the awesome. Axe. Like it had, it had so many like funny things that it like it made you laugh. It made you sad. It made you like hoggers. Like it, it gave you everything that you want in a cinematic. Yeah, and also I think like you know the, the, that it co coincides with the release of the game. It's definitely going to be more hype to watch one of these cinematics, right? Like the Junker Queen was like kind of. Not out of nowhere, but like it was not super hype because at the time, like we were just kind of waiting, right, for the release of Overwatch 2. And there were no outside kind of hype as well. But this felt like, you know, even here, like, you know, uh, this part is like very Overwatchy in a way and very um, sad is not the right word. What, what words would you use, Costa? As someone who's a na native English speaker, it's not sad, it's, you know, heartwarming. Emotion. Heartwarming. And... Heartwarming is probably the word. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the sign language as well. I think it's a it's a cute little thing to like integrate into the cinematic as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what did we think about the cinematic overall? Did it hype up Kiriko as a character? Oh, is this the kind of story so character silly. building we want? Yeah, People I love it. like cyberpunky kind of stuff and the aesthetic and the music choice too was yeah, just I love that fucking... theme song. Really good. Real. It's in the main menu of Overwatch. Um, oh man, so I good. have it in my Spotify playlist now. I made one a playlist especially for it. Um <laughs> on a Spotify. Yeah, Bow by MFS. Oh my god. That yeah, that song fucking pounds. And in fact, a lot of their other music is really good too. It's along the same kind of lines and like tempo and feel and shit. It's uh yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite cinematics of all time because of that. And just <laughs> the one bit that I found was like, I was like, yeah, I fucking love the shit. It was when she like teleports to the corridor and then they all kind of turn around just like face kicking time, like face punching time or whatever the fuck. And I was like, man, that's, yeah, I don't know. It just went super hard, super, super hard. It, it's the perfect level of like, yeah, like you were saying, like heartwarming kind of bits and pieces in there. There you go, face kicking time. Yeah, and funny. Like, yeah, it's fucking sick. Yeah. And yeah, comedy, obviously. 
Uh, yeah, it's just you wouldn't really expect anything less from Blizzard uh, when it comes to cinematics like this. Yeah. Yeah, that, they don't really also, miss on cinematics. Like, yeah. Yeah, people seem to, yeah, yeah, the only way they've missed is that they stop releasing them and yeah. you hear it. Like, <laughs> sure, uh, yeah, that's that's the major miss rather than like, I don't think they've ever like released bad cinematics and stuff like that. And that's what makes Overwatch special as a game and like why so many people love it is that their world building and their character building and, you know, just everything they've done is the best in the industry, at least in the FPS. Like Valorant has cool characters-ish, but you don't feel the same way about them, right? Like don't they don't seem to have that same level of feeling. So Blizzard seems to, to nail that every time. There's a there's a also like a something people completely missed as well. This is uh actually you have to kind of find in the interviews, but they did actually say um in terms of there's a law reveal with, with all of this because these guys these guys are like the Hashimoto gang, right? Um, and they they talked about from an art perspective how they created Kiriko from a concept of her originally being a PVE enemy or PVE boss. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. Um, and um, again, this is this is actually public. I ain't leaking anything. I know that's scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. So like, she 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 was meant to be part of like what she's part of the archetype because you know how there's like, um, what are they called the Omnix. The, the bad ones in all sector and then there's the talent guys hashimoto's are meant to be one of the enemy groups and she was part she was meant to be part of them and so they turn her concept into the actual hero so i mean this is like a faction reveal almost from a law perspective that's kind of something that people miss but that was in that was in some of the interviews <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah when she's becoming a hero bro yeah, yeah. when she getting her own hero people are saying that so uh, I, I was confused about this bit until I realized I was like, oh yeah, it's the ultimate. They're getting hasted. Yeah, it's yeah. The that's right. She uses all of her abilities apart from the invun. Yo, what if she hits that? I think that's bad for the cinematic if she hits yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> don't do that in you imagine on, if she bro. just murders that guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An adult version, which <laughs> does happen. A Quentin Tarantino version, it does hit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> brutal. Uh, yeah, but that's cool. We got a new cinematic as well, and uh, we had Aaron Keller actually guesting. Um, Watchpoint as well. They were on the show this uh, this past week, and uh, he, he did hint. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it did leak as well that the next hero is going to be uh, male. That's the pronouns, and that we've seen him before. So, so it's, there it's you go. Grandpa here. It's go grandpa go speculate. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, we've seen him before. Great. It's the Pompadour guy. He, it's the Pompadour villain. We've seen so saying, many heroes. If you go, if you go back and watch the yeah. original Winston cinematic, right, like back from fucking 2016, you can see Sojin. Like you, she's in that cinematic. Like they, they go well, like very far back with their art design and like the characters that we've seen and heard of. Yeah. The people in my Discord were saying it might be that Magnus dude, like the big Alga? guy with the like huge guns on his arms. Oh my god! People have been um, talking about that guy forever, that's, right? That's Magnus. That's I know, Malga. right? That's Malga. Malga, yeah. Malga. Oh, sorry. Magnus is uh, the uh, Magnus, Magnus is the dude is... from Colosseum. Chess player. Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, oh, he's, he's, the dude from yeah. he's one of the gladiators. Yeah. He's one of the gladiators from Colosseum. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this, the, this dude people were saying. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah that's that Magnus. That, look, that guy looks fucking badass, but if that's hero, that's pretty. No, like, they this should have given. Skin. They should have given. I think this guy should have been a hero, and they should have given Arissa's spear kit to this guy, and Arissa could have been retained. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm don't you dare say retain. Just change her that. into something else, okay? You yeah. take that back. I, I don't know. I don't know why, no. but this reminds me of a League of, Le <laughs> League of Legends character. Um, um I don't know why. probably. 
Yeah. He talks to the big sword. Yeah. Why? Just because he's got a sword? No, I don't yeah, know what it is. There's something Garen's about it. Just looks like a League of Legends character. There's just the pose or something. Nicker I don't know. Atrox. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'd like to play whatever that is. Magnus, I'd like to play you. Uh, wait. Magnus, never mind. He's, why? Because he's Swedish. Uh, well, I, I, you know, Magnus is actually a Swedish name. Yes. I don't know yeah. if Magnus in Dora 2 is Swedish. I don't think so. Um, and Magnus is also a Dora 2 hero, right? So that that's a rhino, though. That's not a human. Yeah, that, I was going to say, isn't that like a mammoth? Uh, kind of. Uh, yes. Um, I'm trying to look up Dora lore, but Dora lore is never, uh, not, never great. They don't, they don't really have lore with that. No, they don't. They, they don't just sort really. of exist. Magnus the Magnus Heroes. Very original. Great job. Uh, apparently, yeah. Okay, never mind. Move on. Move on. <laughs> All right. I feel like we discussed Overwatch 2 in the past week and uh, everything that's gone on quite uh, extensively. So uh, perhaps it's time to move into the Overwatch League. Um, this is, of course, you know, we're, we're, we're drawing to a close when it comes to the regular season. Uh, some matches don't mean anything, for example. Uh, some teams have started to wrap up Vancouver Titans. Uh, they've done playing their regular season as well, and they're not in the playoffs, of course. So... You know, there's not a ton of stuff to talk about overall, I'd feel like, and we're obviously going to cover the most important stuff. Uh, but I think we should start, uh, cover the Houston Outlaws versus Dallas Fuel match. Um, Custa was there in person, he casted the match with Mitch, of course. Uh, there was a bit of a Dallas Fuel five-year anniversary thing going on as well, so um, a fun little, fun little occurrence. And then Houston Outlaws came in, and they spoiled the entire thing. And yeah. uh, how was that, Custa? How did the crowd react? What was the vibe inside the venue? Uh, was there a lot of like happiness that then turned into disappointment? How was the event? Yeah, no, it was awesome. Like the Dallas Fuel fans are like really just passionate. It was a sold out event. Like they didn't fill out their whole venue. It was actually funny. There was a world chase tag like arena in the middle of the stadium. And I don't know if they ever showed that, what? but it's like literally That's just cool. like a parkour chasing tag kind of thing. Apparently it was this thing. It was just in it, but they actually filled out all the chairs. So it, it was really intimate, like close. And then for the five-year video uh, during the match before the, uh, the Dallas match, they showed this like 20-minute uh, edited video of like the history of Dallas Fuel and like, you know, the MV squad before, what how they became Dallas Fuel, all their hardships, all their successes. I, it, was, it was a really cool event and it was a really cool venue. Even when they lost, you know, I went down and I talked to some of the fans and you know, they were they're all still just happy to be there, you know, and that's how live events generally are. It was disappointing to see Dallas Fuel lose once again in front of their home crowd, uh, considering you know we put them on such a high pedestal to be the best. But the the Lucio Bapzaya meta has sort of like thrown a wrench in a bunch of these teams' plans. Yeah, let's, let's wait with the meta because it's all oh, craziness. Yeah. It's all over the place. Dude. But let, let's talk about the match itself. Yeah, bro. Johnny, you 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 cursed the fuck out of them. I like did. I bet this is I bet this is where <laughs> yeah, Dallas should be the, the most Dallas well. thing ever if they but just lose to Houston right now, and then they did. Yeah. Did you have a smile on your face afterwards? You're like just sitting in the truck like, holy shit. Oh, I yeah. I mean, it, it was glorious. Basically, we showed a graphic on the Watchpoint pre-show where it's like, <laughs> Dallas Fuel, they're on a 14-match win streak. You know, nothing can go wrong for this team. And I just put it out into the world. Just like, well, I, I don't, I, I'm not willing to call the cycle of misery, uh, cycle, the, the circle of misery over until they actually beat the Houston Outlaws on LAN. So they got to gotta beat Houston Outlaws today to break the circle of misery. And then they ended up losing. So I guess the circle of misery is still very much present, despite the fact that they were on a 14-match win streak. Uh, sorry, Dallas Fuel fans. So, yeah, that, I, I grinned a little bit there. But, you know, I did predict the Dallas Fuel, so I was slightly disappointed that they did lose. Mr. X predicted but the Houston Outlaws. You hit your bets. You went both ways. 
Uh, well, you know, you, I, I, I'm a pessimist. If you ever watch like Swedish <laughs> soccer with me, I am the most pessimistic like soccer fan ever. Because I'm like, our team is shit. Of course, it's gonna hit the bar. It's gonna, you know, go bar out. It's never gonna go bar in. You know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm always like that. I'm always going to put out like the, the pessimism out in the world there. They're just to hedge, hedge my hopium. You know, it's weird how that doesn't apply to my Overwatch takes, but everything else, I hedge my hopium. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I, I guess there's not a lot to talk about besides the meta. So I, I, yeah, I, I got to take about Dallas real quick. I have All a right, take about Dallas. For sure. Um, you got to keep it spicy in the show. So I think I figured it out. It's not that Dallas are a bad team or they're bad at LAN or they're like that even they just can't beat Houston because they can beat Houston. I think what it is is that Dallas simply can't win in front of their own home crowd. That's it. Other That's home crazy. crowds, you got to you go to Toronto, they win. Uh, you play the first battle for Texas start of the start of the season. They lose. Play kickoff clash. They lose. This time they lose. I don't know. They can't do it in front of the home. So, so I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too surprised if they could still maybe win the Overwatch League because that's in LA. That's not in front of Dallas. So as long so as you, not too many Dallas fans shop, I think Dallas will be fine. It's the fans' fault. That's what you're saying. Just no, I think ooh. the team. Maybe the team. I'm not saying it's the fans, but I'm fault. saying the teams. You know, something about this team. They just can't. They can't do it in front of the Dallas fans. Right, just performance anxiety. I don't know. I, I've never, I've never seen a team have that before. Performance anxiety before their own fans. It's just like <laughs> the funniest thing ever to me. Just like, oh, we can't win at home because the fans giving us excitement is just too awkward. There's opposite this... fan buff. It's the opposite home buff, you know. Yeah, the opposite home buff. Never heard of that. Reverse. One. Like, um, let, let's talk about the match itself. So I was pretty shocked. I have to say, given what we've seen so far at this stage. Um, Spent mostly double flex support, a lot of diva stuff like that. We have seen some, sorry, of course, this past age. But right out of the gates, mirror Lucio Bap Sara compositions. What? What? Costa? Was anyone in the restrooms talking about this? Because I, what the fuck? How did this go down? How did both teams just flex onto this? I, well, I, I, as I said, I didn't go into the bathroom. I was afraid of Jake being in there trying to convince me with an Outlaws jersey. So I, I really just held it the entire time. And then <laughs> I, I don't think any of us saw, like you actually saw bits and pieces of it from, I think it was the Gladiators that started playing it mm -hmm. in their match as well. So it's definitely yeah. the high end West of scrims had definitely come to some form of conclusion. Uh, someone made a tweet about it from... I think it was Hawk made a tweet, a tweet about it saying that like the Lucio Bap and Dante talked about it of like the Lucio Bap is a meta that really came on like the Thursday or the Friday heading into these matches for the weekend. And they just realized that you have more sustainability. And if you play Overwatch 2, I was playing it yesterday with Baptiste. He does so much healing, like an absurd amount of healing and your ability to keep your Zyre alive is just more superior. Obviously, the nano is nice, but the amplification matrix is also quite useful in a lot of situations. And I think it nerfs Sombra in a lot of ways because with Sombra, when you EMP, remember, Baptiste still has that shift, which gives everyone around him 100 health if they are below half health. So that like does a really good job against that as well. So we saw this shift and Dallas Fuel just refused to play Doha and Sombra. So that must have stopped working in scrims. Like, it's not like they're just like, nah, let's not play Doha for me. They, they didn't play any Sombra, did they? They didn't play any Doha. They didn't play any Sombra the entire series. And they also didn't play any Fearless Winston. And that might have been map pool dependent, or maybe just the Zaya Lucio Baptiste is the superior comp. Uh, we won't really ever know because we're at the end of this stage and we won't see the best teams play it anymore. Um, but... I think it was sort of an interesting shift at the last second and sort of goes to show that a meta is never really truly defined until like 
a few weeks until you give it a lot of time for people to solve everything. Yeah, I mean, we would solve- state for the game to be in, right? Yeah. Where like, oh, it, the meta shifts like from week to week, maybe once every couple of weeks kind of thing when new things are being kind of discovered or like, oh, actually this makes way more sense here. I, I 100% get what you mean, Scott, too, with like playing solo queue with Bapanana. Because Ana right now, I'm having like, I wouldn't say a lot of trouble, but like if there's a good diva on the enemy team, you just die, and, well, which happens a lot anyway, because diva's kind of strong. But your shift is just so fucking good. It's like... Instant health heals people around you, obviously, and it can't get fucking eaten. So, like, it's such a strong ability, and I don't think, I don't think at the moment we're probably going to stray away from the the Batiste. I think it, again, Lamp also is just an incredible ability uh, that just stops so much bullshit. So, yeah. yeah. Also, the damage buff came out of fucking left field. Like, I don't know why he got damage oh, buff. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think true. that was necessary at all. Like, I don't think anyone was like, ah. Oh, that piece doesn't do enough damage with his left click. So you put that in the hands of players like Shu, like, of course they're going to dominate on it. Yeah. Yeah, we even saw some teams in 8-pack pick it up, Abel, right? Like, I think I saw, like, Chengdu Hunters pick it up as well. Lose your BAP. Uh, I... There were a few instances of that, so... I might even check the VODs again. I'm pretty sure they're still mainly playing, like, uh, either double flick support, uh, Zen Anna, and also... Uh, Lucio Anna on, on some maps. I think they're, they're, they're still... Maybe it's a bit 50-50. They definitely have a lot of teams that are still playing uh, Lucio and Anna. I, I saw it get picked up, which was interesting. Because I'm like, who would have brought Lucio Bap into APAC? Like, I don't typically see... Like, you know, I, I would understand some Western teams picking up, like, Lucio Bap and, like, rushing in, stuff like that, right? But APAC historically, like, I didn't expect Chengdu, for example, to bring out Lucio Bap in that fashion, perhaps. So... Yeah, I mean, you even still have, like, Seoul and Philly, we saw there again. They played a lot of Winston, too, so they were playing, like, Brig Anna. So, I... Stuff is still profit on Anna for a map. <laughs> Maybe yeah, just for the witches for one, just for an outing, just for a bit of a lulz. Um, yeah, I mean, like if you if you, it's funny because dragons are playing like the Anna Zen, but then you you're right, monk comes out on a bat, they do a loose your bat, and I don't know where they got that from either as well because I don't know how many Asian teams are actually playing something like that. Maybe they got some inspiration from NA and they're like, yo, we could try this out. Um, they're definitely playing more off tanks. So I think the 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 deeper we get into this meta the more the the asian teams in the east are slowly shifting towards the na style comps yeah it definitely feels like that is the meta that we're uh, we're getting ourselves into as we draw closer to the playoffs um it is worth men mentioning that of course some of these teams who have now qualified for the playoffs um the the rumor is that they've just already committed to scrimming on the Kuriko uh patch because we know that kiriko is going to be in the playoffs itself like what's the point to scream this meta any longer there's probably someone asked me in my twitch chat yesterday like do you expect some balance changes uh, as well with kiriko and I, I i i don't see why they would not balance the game uh along with kiriko being introduced as well you know that happened with junker queen like junker queen was introduced and was really overpowered but we also saw some changes being made to the overall um roster of all the other heroes so i'm expecting a few changes from the current patch in the game um once kiriko gets announced but it, it's just superior for these top teams to start screaming on that patch already so i maybe will abandon the lucio bath we'll see where we go on that um i do want to touch on that slightly though do, do we think that after playing kiriko as well especially for a week do we think that kiriko stands a chance do we think kiriko is going to be played in the playoffs because personally i almost think we're not going to see any kiriko in the playoffs but i want to hear from especially mm. joss and costa to to support players who hover around grandmaster and has tried out the hero expense extensively your first uh yeah i 
I'm kind of agreeing with you, Johnny, because when you think of like what we're playing right now, we'll say like the Ana Lucio or Ana Zen or Batiste Zen, the amount of healing those two supports, Bap and Ana, can pump out is quite absurd, especially if Ana Nade, you know, then you spam people heals. Batiste obviously is just general shift, fucking spam right click, is, is pretty sick. Kariko doesn't heal nearly as much, or at least it doesn't feel like she heals nearly as much. And her playstyle, what I found at least, and this is obviously only in quick play, and I don't know how good the players are that I'm playing against. And like when we all jumped in on quick play on day number one, um, you know, it was it was fun as fuck, but it's hard to really grasp. For me, it's like, okay, the game plan in my head would be a flanker goes Genji Tracer, they fucking jump to the back line, and then you fucking TP to them, you're he you're healing them, and then you execute the back line, you even use your um invun. And then you can just teleport back. Like, that's how I think, at least in, like, ranked people will probably play her. Like, a more aggressive backline DPS Moira. Where, like, with Bap and Ana, it's way more, like, sustained focus. And you want to be able to keep up your tank. I don't think Kiriko is going to be able to keep up with the amount of healing and, like, stuff you need to pump into a tank to keep them alive. Especially against someone like a Zen and a lot of upfront damage right now. Tanks do have a lot of survivability. Double bubble. Matrix lasting for, like, seven years. But um, yeah, I just don't really see where she fits in unless they you go super hyper-aggressive dive. Lucio with Kiriko, Tracer Genji, D.Va, and you just fucking run at the back line. And you, you use your Kiriko TP to just TP to the back and then TP to a Lucio that um, is running off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you think, Scott, but yeah, with the, the amount of utility she has, yeah, the invun's pretty damn good. It feels like you're not in a situation ever where you can get mad value out of it. You might as well just use it on yourself and your DP flank a DPS to kill a support and then run away. Like that's that's my grasp on it, but then I've not played it in ranked. So I, I agree with you. I think that the only way that she makes sense is when you are diving with your team. I think her right click or like sorry, her heals is actually surprisingly more than you would assume. So I think Kiriko actually could keep up her tank. Like if you're going with a Winston or a Diva, I think she can actually okay. do a pretty good job with that. I agree that your invulnerability is primarily going to be used on yourself for the most part, unless someone's getting hit by an ultimate or something like that. Because and what it does is it allows you to play aggressively and make you a target that people don't want to go because one of the big things is she doesn't have much going for her once she's teleported in right so it's a big problem if you teleport in and then people could just run you down so having that self invulnerability gives you the option to be able to like stay alive and make you not the major target uh, i think it's really cool my big problem with the way that she does things she doesn't have any offensive utility and her damage is incredibly inconsistent i think the 3x headshot multiplier is very dangerous to put in the game because first of all, for most people, they're not going to be able to hit that. But for the high end, you could potentially just murder people or do no damage at the, in the same vein. Uh, I would prefer to see it go to a 50 damage flat with a 2.5x critical and go to 125 damage if you headshot. It's like five more damage in the crit, so it doesn't matter that much. But then also it gives you more value for going for body shots because like I was... I was dealing with a wrecking ball as a Kiriko and I'm just you fucking just tickling him to death. Like it's not really doing anything because he doesn't have a head hitbox and there are some other characters like that. While like an Orisa, I can just murder because her head hitbox is the size of a planet. Uh, my other problem with Kiriko is we talked about how her dive viability is that's her biggest strength that she follows. Her ultimate is not conducive to that because you are high mobility, high movement, all that kind of stuff. People generally are just going to run out of your ultimate for the most part. 
and people are going to run away from your ultimate in those kind of metas. So I found it difficult to find value with the ultimate, especially with the heroes that you would be playing that with, right? It's obviously great on like Soldier, uh, like, you know, the Roadhog ultimates, anywhere one who's shooting really fast goes crazy. Um, but that doesn't really happen as much. So I think she needs uh, some minor tweaks. I think she's incredibly fun, like unreasonably yeah, oh yeah. fun. But do I think she'll be good in Overwatch League? In her current state, I don't think so. Yeah, her, like, yeah, you, you're kind of on the same lines as, as me because when I was playing her, all I was doing with that Invun thing, again, I don't know what the SR are the players I'm playing against, so it's like a bit more difficult to say. Yeah, but that's like, a good point as well. I'm TPing to the back with a tracer. I maybe not use it instantly, but like I'm teleporting and then I fucking see the back line. I'm right clicking. Maybe I miss a couple. If I hit one, maybe the tracer finishes them off. They all look at me. I invun and then I TP away. Yeah. And that's how I was playing. Cause the TP has like a sizable distance. Plus obviously it goes through walls and shit too. So on, I remember on Coliseo specifically, I was teleporting like th through three different buildings, um, almost across it's the map, just the way far. it's kind of laid out. Yeah. Which is insane. On a six which second cooldown? Second, seven second yeah. cooldown or something like that? Like, yeah. Which, when you put it into perspective, you have, when you have the infun thing too, you fucking TP, you survive for a, a couple of seconds infun, and then another couple of seconds passes, and then you can teleport away again. Her mobility is ridiculous. Plus, she can wall climb. So her, wall climb her is a big is survivability ridiculous. tool as well, like that yeah. people don't utilize. Of like, you're like, you think about how hard it is to attack a Genji who just consistently kind of keeps like someone, yeah, da jumping yeah. up walls every time you're trying to shoot at them. Like, people don't use it enough, but it, it's, it's going to be. It, and I'm not against this at all. Um, it is going to be a hero that is, if it gets buffed in any kind of way, or like, to be fair, even in Solo Queue, because Solo Queue is way more random, that's going to be very good at the top level and then absolutely shit in like yeah, lower people ranks. people are going to troll at lower ranks. you can't, you, you need aim to be effective. Otherwise you're just turning into, you might as well play Mercy at that yeah. point because you're... <laughs> Your healing, it's not that difficult to hit. You just kind of have to be around where that person is and the cards then follow them. And when they touch them, it heals them. But your damage output, you might as well be blue beaming somebody. Or Moira, to be fair. You might as well just be white yeah. somebody because it's infinitely damage, easy yeah. to I was going to say. And I'm definitely not against that because you do need some sort of disparity where like some heroes, and this is the first time user experience, right? Some heroes are meant for like people that are getting into an FPS or like don't, want to treat overwatch like a proper like hardcore first person shooter where they're a little bit easier on the aiming side of things but then you also have the heroes like sojourn ash widow then like that need a lot of mechanical skill to be very good um at a top level but i'm not sure really where she kind of fits in with like who else you'd pick with her too because of the way her kit works she's cool as fuck though i love her but yeah i've yeah i've heard of her being described as a moira replacement I um, win. I said it. Yeah, Johnny I did win. say that. I and do remember Johnny saying back. it. <laughs> Sorry, played in specifically played in like you know literally a Lucio Moria comp. You just replace Moria with Kariko. Um, the way I've had it described to me is like you know just her ability to get vertical even without having to use her shift is pretty nuts because the wall climb. Um, and she's just so safe. Like she's so much safer than Moira as well. And like, if you've got a smoke another team, like you think about what a Lucian Morricomp does, we all know what it does. Rush knows what it does. Um, you 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 drop the Suzu down and you just, your whole team can just be invulnerable. Like certain members of your team, importantly, can be invulnerable. So you can get out of, you can certainly get out of jail free in, in certain cases as well. Um, yeah, I've had her described in that sort of way. 
Um, I just, it's hot. The most dangerous thing about Karika right now is we have no idea if she's any good because she's not in ranked. So we have no ranked data yeah, at yeah. all, which is all the other scary thing about that is, is that like, as far as team four, the development team says like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to monitor her and we're going to adjust her so that she's not going to be OP when she's eventually in ranked or whatever. We're about to play in the Overwatch League in the playoffs and finals. Um, we have no data from ranked. And by the time she gets ranked, it's like kind of too late. I mean, we're already... We're going to get to the stage where we're already when does on this she pass, no matter what. It's so, two uh, weeks, right? It's two. It's probably another week from now. I so think it's another week from now. The, so yeah. I mean, the best so, yeah, game is our players right now. Like but our I think, like, players but are I think playing our, on scrims probably. But our patch is solidified. Like even if she is busted, we have to play that patch. So like our patch is currently not going to change for playoffs. We've we've locked that patch in. Um. So it's, I, I don't think she's going to be. She doesn't seem OP to me. But I didn't think Jungkook was going to be OP either. So. It's just the so hard to tell sometimes. The commanding was going to be broken off. Yeah. Oh, but, but not that broken. Come on, bro. That broken. No, I, as soon as Maybe I saw, as soon as playing? I was in Yada we, with we, 300 we health, as soon as yeah. I was in Zenyatta with 300 health, I'm like, this is broken. Like, no, yeah. but the pro Dude. Okay, cool. It's broken for the Zenyatta, but then like for... It's for... broken for every character. Dude, I, we, Scott we found was fucking shouting my ass we when found, I was playing Genji. That, I jumped in the way. Let's not get stuck on Jungle Queen. Easy as fuck. We've been stunlocked by Jungle Queen for a whole stage. I don't want to go back there. Um... So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think her ultimate has a lot of potential. Like, I still think her ultimate, to me, maybe this is a pleb take, because you know, I'm not a high-ranked support player, but her ultimate, to me, seems like a team nano. Like, your whole team just gets nano for a little bit. Obviously, without the damage reduction, but every, everyone's, like, raw DPS output increases by a lot just inside that uh, that ult. And it lasts for a long time as well, so you're just fully nanoed up your whole team, including yourself. It charges um, unreasonably quick as well that ultimate like if you're just pumping heals into your tank like you get it really quick i th my problem with it is the same issue with bap window like bap window is theoretically overpowered everyone shoots 200 damage through it right like but, but it feels way more counterable away from right it feels like, way more counterable the bap window yeah. whereas this like creaker ultimate is huge covers so much ground and you can just like you know and, and the damage output is so consistent because you're you're not stuck standing behind this bat window to get you to, to get value you, you can be anywhere inside this aoe and the aoe is gigantic to, and because you're so fast as well you can just fly at people to yeah. to put the ultimate into perspective let, let me ask this so like costa um you know someone someone pulls out like the non-advisor like you probably trance you know drop the sound barrier try to keep alive if a kariko drops uh, her katsune rush as a support player do you invest the sound barrier, the trance? Do you feel confident about your team's ability to stay alive against an ultimate like that? Depends on where, how it's been put down. And this sort of goes back yeah. to the fact that I haven't been seen it be used sure. very valuable. Yeah. But like when I was playing it, I dropped a couple and I was like, that was straight fucking useless. Like that didn't really help anyone. Uh, but then I've had one where I dropped it and then their entire team just evaporates. I would say the major weakness of the Kuriko, like Kitsuno Rush or whatever it is, it doesn't provide you any defensive benefits. So I've seen a lot of people get Katsune Rush and they're like, I'm overpowered. And yeah. then they just like run into the middle of the opposition team and they just fall over and die. So it's like, I think people will get really good with it. And I agree on like maps like Control where you can just use that to engage onto a point. It's very difficult to fight into that. And it will be a big team fight also. Yeah. Even, even, even if you're dangerous, even if it's dangerous, like you could die during it. Your whole team is getting so much extra DPS output. And I think you trade up no matter what. I think you it's just an ultimate you can trade up value quite easily. And, and you, you can win team fights. France with certain abilities with that Kiriko. If you have a good ultimate, like I have you seen a Kiriko visor? Like uh, the yeah, Kiriko visor. visor. Fucking dude that just never stop shooting, DPS, right? right? Like how much Sorry? 
How much? Someone do the fucking math. Whatever the attack right speed now. is, and his reload is even faster. Yeah, as well. and but like, what? Like, what's the DPS of that? Because Trance is 300 HPS. Like, uh, it was a lot. I uh, I actually actually experimented with nano nano visor in uh, Kitsune Rush. Oh, I can't okay, that this. definitely does more than 300 DPS. Yeah, like, that, that was a lot of damage. I think it's cooldowns. Don't think cooldowns as well. Like it's yeah. it's everything. Like even even the Kariko use. If you use the ultimate now, your teleport and your everything, your cooldowns are just like way quicker. So your mobility just increases. You can't die now. Well, you 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 can could hardly die before. She's a very safe hero, but now with the cooldown reduction, you just your teleport just comes back up. Uh, I can imagine. Hmm? I mean, I'm right here. Is this reinforced gaming on TikTok? Reinforced yeah. on TikTok, bro. That's fucking crazy. TikTok, Pog. TikTok, I can't really see, but I just annihilate people. Like they just. Yeah. I. To be fair, not trying to plug my own TikTok. Um, I did put a clip on my TikTok actually of Zen. Have you fucking used Zen? Just left click. It, Dude, it's in, like a um, rocket in Kitsune. Yeah. It's like, boom, 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 boom. but dude's giving you the fucking hands, bro. Like. Yeah. It's a big insane shit. It's fun as fuck. Um, whether it's balanced, I don't know. But I don't think I think trading up there, like you're saying, Avril, I think you just hit trance hit beat. Or like even Lucio, I'm gonna be real. Cause you gain um it's like Lucio's um what the fuck is the shift called? You know, when he fucking switches songs, whatever the fuck it's called. Cross you edge. still gain a little bit of that speed or healing, like when you shift for like a small moment of time, right? And with Kitsune Rush is the same thing. If you step out of it, you have it for like a, a second or like half a second or something. So, but so with like Lucio, you could potentially run away with it using just a uh, just amp. But I think it's just going to be another ult that you just have to trance. You have to beat. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, you're going to have to defensively ult it. Yeah. yeah. You you have to. Otherwise, you're just going to get rolled. And this is where I think maybe. Like a Lucio Kiriko backline makes the most sense. I agree. Go with this hyper dive because when they Kitsune, it's like, dude, we're back to like, you do this, I do this, you do this, I do this. But it's like, which isn't a bad thing. But like, Kitsune Rush beat. And then they Kitsune Rush, you beat. You know, like that's going to be the kind of thing that you need to follow if you're a support player. Like, you're probably not going to be beating the Blades. People don't really beat Blades that often anymore. It, they're just too easy to kind of focus down if Genji's played. But um, yeah, I think as viability as support lines go, Kiriko Lucio seems like the most viable from the top of my head. Yeah, I, I agree. You need a self-sufficient like, support because otherwise you just teleport forward and like you leave your scent to dry and like a tracer is just going to run them over. You need a self-sufficient support of some kind. I don't think yeah. Brig is it. I don't think Brig is going to be useful enough. So it's it's sort of like Lucio, Kiriko. Um, and then I thought about like what tanks would I want to see with a Kiriko? And it pretty much boils down to like Winston. It's like I want to see a Winston bubble when I go aggressively, so my Kiriko or my team can like dive around the Winston bubble. I don't think Diva probably is going I think to be. Diva. You think Diva in a current Diva stage? Diva Diva with Diva 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 plus fly cooldown reduction. You can just yeah. fly and over micro missiles, which is uh, she's already fucking busted. She's crazy. Good. If if you play Lucio Kiriko Diva versus Lucio Kiriko Winston, your Winston's gonna die. That, yeah, is true. Yeah. that is true. That is his head hitbox is so large too, and Kiriko's left click or right click does three x headshot. Like the easiest motherfucker I, I to kill in the world, Winston. And Sorry is not like, bad either. Like, huge. can you imagine that could be good cooldown, cooldown reduction on bubbles? On the bubbles. Oh yeah, it's just, 
But like, remember, I think I think people get yeah, into a lot of uh, well, yeah. The, I think people are like, oh, is Kariko Roadhog gonna be meta? Have you seen what you can do with Whole Hog Kariko? Hog it's sucks like, for yeah, eighty percent of the map. You're like, you're like, like, yeah, for that ten percent of the time, five percent yeah, of the time in which you yeah. can use that combo, it's gonna be great. What about the other ninety-five percent of the time of that match, right? Like, and like, there is incredible <sighs> yep. combos left and right with Casino Rush, but it comes like there's so many of them that I think playing a certain tank around that is not gonna. The, the neutral in overwatch 2 is um because they nerfed alt charge like it's way more prevalent like you're not in like old overwatch 1 like there was a lot of metas that it was just we alt that is it that is the only thing we do we build alt fast and then we go in and alt like in overwatch 2 they did reduce the ultimate charge rate so it's more about the neutral than it's been in like a long time so yeah We'll see what happens. I, I feel like we're, we're a few changes away from Kiriko being meta, but we'll see. Maybe the Overwatch League team's surprise. Uh, I will say statistically, uh, in 50% of the Overwatch League playoffs, we've had a Roadhog meta. So, you know, two, Dude, out, of, two out of four. Oh, uh, first season one, we had the, uh, the, the Roadhog flex support. Costa uh, oh, yeah. is cringing out of his mind right now. And 2020 playoffs, they wanted to change up the patch <laughs> just to like have a new, fresh kind of meta, fun meta for the playoffs, right? So... Uh, we had a Roadhog meta in 2020. So two out of the four playoffs, we had a Roadhog meta. Who, maybe maybe three out of three out of five? Three out of five? You know, Roadhog, Kiriko? No, no? no. Probably should just delete Hog from the game, but yeah. yeah I, I, I also think there's a world in which we're just overthinking it. Like, we're talking about, oh, like, uh, Katsune Rush versus Katsune Rush, all that kind of stuff. There's a world in which you just play Lucio Babzaya again, and the amount of damage yeah. that you can dive True. with is just not nothing compared to the sustainability and the damage that so like Sojin can just one tap Kariko, right? Like, there's no if you have good enough aim, Kariko might just offer nothing. So it's like I find that uh, very likely that we're yeah, going to I have Lucio Babzaya, and I think she's a lot of people are going to be disappointed by that. Yeah, I think she's also a hero that is going to take a long time to get actually good with. So their teams are probably going to be disincentivized to run with Kariko unless someone's just an absolute freak on her. Like I, because she's such a high skill ceiling hero. Like I don't think there's a fucking chance unless there's some like, oh my god, actually this is really strong, and we don't need to play Kiriko near her kind of full potential, which won't happen when a hero is just released. To be fair, but you're thinking you know, Overwatch League players are going to get near there every single week that kind of passes and they kind of scrim on that uh, on that patch but yeah she might not be at a state where pros feel comfortable enough to run those kind of i think we'll probably end up seeing it in what capacity i don't know i think team some teams probably will end up pulling it out just to surprise people in a way but not sure yeah. about how much that will be though um I, I i will say when that team finally comes around and it'll probably be sometime next year where they like master the kiriko teleport dive stuff and like lining up people for kiriko to teleport to i, I i'm just gonna crown them like the best of worst player in the world Lit. ever yeah that's going to be amazing to witness like amazing kiriko dives i will say this i will put this out into the world if you nano a kiriko and right click melee that's an insta gib 200 health so, you know, enjoy your nano Kiriko dives with right-click melee. Also, PSA, to, if you're a Kiriko player and you're dealing with the pesky tra tracers, headshot melee kills at one shot the tracer melee, in the yeah. same way uh, Discorded uh, Zen does the same thing. So, yeah, fuck them up. Fuck tracers. Yeah. Out of here, we hate True. Yo, true. Fuck out of here. Chat right now. <laughs> Come at me and Scott. Fuck tracers.
Uh, you'll be seeing more of that uh, on my TikTok. That uh, Luke, Luke, Luke in the Twitch uh, YouTube chat. It was like, there's no way there's a reinforced TikTok. Hey, reinforced gaming. Check it out on TikTok. Yeah, I, I started last week. I had like five videos on there. Let's go. Jaws features uh, heavily in my TikTok clips. So you know, check out the reinforced gaming TikTok. There you go. Uh, Which you. I shouldn't, by the way, because as you all know, there's an ongoing feud between me and Johnny. We've hated each other oh, for the longest true. time now. That's a new um, narrative. I don't know what to tell you. This has gone back generations generations the swedish versus the british that's why me and johnny hate each other i'm not it, sure yeah. if they, have they ever had a war i'm not sure but it, um, it's crazy yeah. how that happens when i cast it with mitch in dallas people were like why is matt not casting with mitch does mitch hate matt mitch hates matt <laughs> does mitch hate matt it's like no it's just they matt hates Do, traveling too i yes. will say this matt, matt hates LAX. that's what he hates yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to kind of put a bit of sense to that kind of comment obviously it was a copy pasta i like ended stream or some shit i went into brent's chat just to troll him a little bit and people were like you know that someone on reddit thinks you hate johnny right and i'm like what <laughs> like i do a podcast with every fucking week like you know we're, we're fucking good friends and they're like oh yeah and they they would spam the copy pasta or whatever um i think a lot of that comes from and i kind of see the person's reasoning behind why they think i might dislike johnny which i don't but there's a I am pretty delay, dislikable, so. But no, you're not. You're lovable, bro. But there's there's a delay between like the casters and the desk. So sometimes you'll find it where like we're talking in my ear, I'm always talking over somebody else. Yeah. Or like same in the truck, yeah. There, there's a delay and it we can't get rid of it. It fucking blows, but like that's what it is. And that's I mean, why it might seem like there's a little bit of fucking tension, or like I'm trying to talk over Johnny, like Rose is trying to talk over somebody else, or like some shit like that. So yeah, it's uh, I did find it really fucking funny though. It's <laughs> like, also honestly the hardest the hardest part of the entire show is cross talking and talking to the the yeah. casters because the delay it's is one of the best parts of the show too. Yeah. But it's one of the best parts of the show, and yeah, the delay just kind of booms it because it's not something you can control, and it's like it kind of fucks up. You're trying to like tell a joke or like you know have banter with someone else, and it's just like it, you. How in real? You're I about to say something funny, time. and then someone exactly. starts talking over you at the same time, and you're and like, you're "Oh like, fuck, I couldn't say my <laughs> joke now." There's a delay, so like, yeah, it's like, "Oh, how do I navigate this situation?" Yeah, it's um. So there's a little heads up. There's a little inside sneak peek Easter egg um for yeah. <laughs> you viewers out there. But it's yeah. even in casting though. There's like a tiny bit of delay. Of people are like, "Oh man, uh, Avril keeps cutting off Achilles." I'm like, "It's it's the actual fucking latency, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's uh, when I casted with Jack earlier in the year, uh, uh, we were doing an online one and uh, someone messaged me like, hey, caster, I love your cast. Uh, just so you know, I know you're new to this. I thought I'd give a little bit of feedback. You should, oh, try, not, yeah. you should try not speaking over Jack. It feels like you're cutting him <laughs> off every time. You got fans playing. Yeah, fans I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. But that's just the Whoa. technology, the limitations of the technology that there's like in, like in our conversation where we're like, it's like a Discord call, right? Where you can hear each other going back and forth. But imagine if that Discord call was being sent to a third party and then the conversation wasn't as linear yeah. as it is for a normal one. That's what is happening sometimes with the cast. And that's why sometimes, you know, it gets pushed in a different direction where it feels like Avril or a caster is reacting to something that has already happened and that hasn't happened yet or is reacting to something very late to something that has happened. I thought like, that was Avril was a prophet. It's, I think you just yeah. saw no. something <laughs> in the future. I thought Avril would be like, oh my God, that shot. I'm like, what shot? And then someone dies. I'm like, oh my I God, that shot. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling proper was going to land. You know, you know how it is. You know how it is. Well, the, the funny thing about that too is that 
when me and Scott are like, you know, when the co-casters cast together, we hear each other in real time, basically. And yeah. we have the feed synced up in real time. It's just when that all gets put together and then pushed, that's when like there's micro discrepancies that really start to shine. So like I'm never talking over Scott. Scott's never talking over me or Rose or whoever. Um, it's just the kind of, yeah, it, online broadcast, baby. Yeah, there we go. Bad. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully more elements. I mean, I've said that like 50 <laughs> times throughout the season, but you know, uh, it's fun. Uh, there is one more LAN event I want to cover. Uh, this is going to be the last topic, I think, of recapping all the matches this past week. Um, unless you guys can come up with some kind of match where there was like a big narrative, something came out of it, something interesting. Uh, but there was, of course, almost like a homestand in APAC region as well. Seoul yeah. Dynasty, they hosted, yeah, they hosted the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, they, uh, Philadelphia Fusion surprisingly took Seoul to map five without Cest in the lineup. Uh, Carpetfield and of course Cest had this uh, thing on as well. Um, I can't remember from where. I think it was Roston actually on Twitter who did say that Cest. No, maybe it was Cest himself who said that he is okay and he is um, looking to play in the playoffs. So I wouldn't worry that Carp is going to like fill in for the rest of the year or something. It didn't seem that serious. No bones are broken is what I thought I heard. So there was temporary Carpe fill in here for, for map five. But a, but a fun little event here, Avril, in the APEC region. And, and not only, uh, I mean, yeah, amazing because like finally you get a LAN event in Asia. Uh, and I think we, I really enjoyed the league has sort of uh, spiced up the whole Seoul versus Philly thing over the year because obviously they're both teams in Korea. Um, there's a content team on the ground in Korea that's doing stuff. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen some of the content pieces they've done. Um, just even like fun little skits they've done between the two teams. Um, and they finally got them to play against each other. And I was like waiting. I was like, man, they, they, they do a lot of content between these two teams. I'd love to see them actually play in an arena if they can. And they, they did. So, um, a great thing for the actual APEC fans, especially in Korea. It's just a shame that, uh, with still COVID restrictions in China, you didn't get a homestand this year. Uh, we kind of did the reverse last year, right? Last year, Asia got all the homestands, and now this year, NA got all the homestands. Um, I was most impressed by the fact that, first of all, Fusion played close to Seoul, but also, man, like, rumors of Carpe's death have been uh, greatly exaggerated. because he, he was still up and off. I was like, wow, I was surprised by how good Carpe was. I probably shouldn't have been, but, man, like, he, he I feel like, you know... I think Johnny, you see this on Watchpoint. It was like Carpe kind of struggled over the year, but he really showed up in this match like a yeah. big time. And um, yeah, I thought that was great. I thought uh, you know the, a, a different duo is all Carpe and three because usually Zest never gets subbed out. He and Zest had to get subbed out. Um, and I don't think we really saw Carpe Tracer over the year as well because he normally covered. You know, he he had M and threes here at They both play the hit scans. Uh, and again, because this never gets subbed. I mean, they did give him a fair place. shake. They gave Carpe a shot throughout the season, definitely. Right? He played a few times on a few different heroes, but uh, never really. I feel like he never really went on the trace all that much. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's um, fair. Yeah. Because his hit scan just isn't better than MN3s. Like these days, like he really struggled with the caliber of hit scan players these days. He struggled, but his tracer actually looked very good. It, I think the problem is just that MN3 and Zest, I think as a duo, generally outperform Carpe on any hero uh, if you like distribute them around but I, I agree Carpe is a great player very flexible player to have as your third like I think he he had a great match yeah absolutely I, I think they it, it was very impressive how well they played on this like double flex support 
composition right. Um, it, it feel like fi finally like the fusion are in their groove now and they're looking good ahead of the playoffs. And then we see this sorry I lose your back composition come out and I, all I can think about is like oh no, <laughs> like no, <laughs> don't tell me the fusion look this good heading into the playoffs and then like the, <laughs> their composition is going to go out the window as well. How how excited are you about the fusion going into the playoffs, Avril? Do you think like they actually have a contenders? Not a contenders, but like a contention <laughs> chance yes. with, with some of the best teams around the world if they contenders? play this comp? Um, I think the more they play Fury and the more they stick to like a Zarya Diva kind of look, the better it is. I am starting to, firstly for me, shift away from the Winston stuff. So I'd like to see them play less Balisaria. Um, So yeah, I think double flex support is good because I've been surprised by how, how reasonable Fixer has been on that other flex support. Now, I don't know about... The, I guess I could do Lucio Bap as well, because Aim God can play yeah. the Bap and Fixer as a Lucio player. Um, Zesk is always high carry potential. I mean, we've... Surprisingly, I mean, Fusion do well in playoff scenarios. I mean, they look like the weakest APAC team coming into Mid-Seas Madness, and they end up placing the best out of all the APAC teams. Um, they've surprised in all the tournaments so far. They did not look great in Summer Showdown, yet they still qualified anyway. They've been surprising the entire... I think they're the type of team that is like a serious dark horse. Like, I think if you look at what the... Def if you if you consider what the definition of a dark horse team is, you should fit that kind of perfectly because their peaks are so unbelievably high. Um, you just can't underestimate this team. So I I look to see what, what they can do in terms of upsetting teams. Uh, but as far as, like, consistency goes, that's their biggest weakness so far throughout the entire year. I don't know if they can be consistent all six days of a playoffs and, and make it all the way to the end. If they do probably come second that'd be nice um yeah i, I think uh, that's they'll 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 probably upset one or two teams like they'll go into a match and all the na fans will be like yeah we're gonna smoke the fusion and then you'd be surprised you know you probably you might actually lose them yeah i i i completely agree with that i mean we're going to have a couple of play-in uh, play teams as well from the western region so whether that's like you know the washington justice boston uprising it's going to be toronto or london um, I'm pretty sure in that play-ins as well. So, you know, a couple of those teams will make it to the playoffs itself. And, you know, those are teams that I very much think that Fusion could beat. And then you start to play, play in, or playoffs round, rather, in the lower bracket, upper bracket. They can definitely compete with some of those teams. Hell, even the Houston Outlaws at times, right? I know the Houston Outlaws are, like, the number one rated team right now because they beat Dallas Fuel as well. But, like, they haven't been great so far in tournaments. And maybe you catch them at the right time. And suddenly, the Fusion, they find themselves with, like, two, three wins in the playoffs, right? So, definitely uh, a perfect dark horse in that regard. Um, were there any uh, great takeaways besides that, you think, this past week, Avril? Um, I, I feel like we got the play-in bracket we got to talk about, of course. We, um, we have that Wait, coming up. Uh, Shanghai Dragons, we, maybe? Before we move on, uh, Avril, I... Have we got an update on Zest? I know Rossen said that it was like an injury and that they had update us. Have we given been given that update of like what his expectation uh, is? I thought I mentioned that. I can check Rossen's Twitter now. I have, personally, I've not seen that. I, I thought I read that like he didn't break a bone or anything. So he's going to play in the playoffs. He's looking forward to playing in it's the like playoffs. Oh, really? Okay. That's Sorry, what I, I read. Somewhere. Yeah, Rossen yeah. hasn't Rossen hasn't given a further update yet. Oh. Where did you so, get that from, then, Jenny? Yeah, because I, I, I haven't know. seen anything. Maybe, maybe I just a comment on Reddit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would like to inform everyone that Zest is okay. Don't oh, worry, guys. <laughs> I swear, I read that somewhere. Oh god, now I don't want to. I haven't seen. But I haven't seen anything through the official Fusion channels from yeah. any of the fellas. But um, I don't know. They don't seem too concerned. I have no idea. I don't want to speculate too hard. Anyway, I honestly have no idea. 
So I hope he does get to play because he's an MVP candidate oh, and a very good player. Yeah, there was a Q&A after the show match somewhere. Uh, okay. And I think that is where... Great call. Uh, thank you, Base Bird in the Twitch chat. Or YouTube chat. I keep saying Twitch chat. Based. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a Q&A and there was like two Cest. Is your arm going to be okay? And Cest responded, uh, yeah, I slipped today morning because it was raining. I went to the ER. There's nothing wrong with my bones. So I'll definitely be playing for playoffs. Oh, so you're playing Hell some yeah. bruise. Okay. It looked yeah. like he had a cast on, but maybe he just had it wrapped. Might just be it looks like a cast of some kind. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if it was a cast, there's no way he's coming back in a cast in yeah. like three weeks, right? Dude, you could play it. Can imagine playing in a cast. <laughs> Depends what my arm, you know, he could just like claw grip the keyboard. Yeah, just... exactly. <laughs> hey, that'll do. <laughs> optimistic, optimistic for sure. Uh, yeah, Costa, you seem to think that the Shanghai Dragons are back. Obviously, they're not playing in the play-ins, so who knows? Maybe the medal will change up. But a, a quick few words here on, on the Shanghai Dragons, Costa. Defend your what? number two ranking of the Shanghai Dragons in your power ranking. I'm just so sick of just doing power rankings because every fucking <laughs> fan just wants you to put what the standings are right now. If I had just gone up there and put the standings of the West and the standings of the East and been, look at my power rankings, people would have been like... I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, you should do that. And I think people will be like applaud you for being a genius. But like in reality, like <laughs> I think Houston Outlaws, I think they have to go number one, but Shanghai Dragons at number two. Yes, they beat weak teams, but they beat them decisively they are uh, having baby being able to play that baptiste they look like a much better team playing around that they're only playing void at this point they you know fleta had a better game like shanghai still have a championship caliber roster and i think that they are always going to do that yes guangzhou charge had a very good stage and i am you know a big guangzhou charge fan but I'm doing my power rankings for not just this meta. I'm going into the tournament of the next one. And if Guangzhou Charge and Piggy can't play Zaya, I am not sold that this team has the versatility to be able to play other things in the same way that Shanghai Dragons does in the fact that they have Fade on the, Fade on the bench, that they have Who Are You on the Genji and stuff like that. So that's generally my, my thing. Like we're not going into a tournament, so I'm not trying to rank everyone for this upcoming tournament. I'm really, it's really just a gut check right there. And also the power rankings that I did, there is literally no tier breaks because APAC doesn't make sense. You cannot put a coherent list together because we just saw Soul lose to Spark. Literally my number one in my power rankings versus the number seven in my power rankings. Why aren't people mad about that, right? Like if you're going off of pure results-based things, like it is going off of my idea and my opinion of where I stake the teams at this point, which is what power rankings should be community it's it's not just about you know the the recent results it should be about you know your belief in teams and how much optimism you have for them that's a good rant that's a good rant costa i appreciate that Flip it. all Thank right you. Hey, you know what i can tell you why shanghai is going to pop off in the playoffs oh boy know. here I, we go i yeah, saw Aaron for like go. five seconds he was thinking like do i say it? here we go <laughs> give it to me so when they finally land in LA and they stabilize, uh, they don't have to wake up early anymore. Oh, that's crazy. That's that, crazy. That is once, they, once that happens, they're going to pop the fuck off. I'm excited to only, see everyone in land. It's yeah, going to be only reason, lit. The only right, reason they didn't do well in mid-season is because they had to wake up early. So now that that's, that disadvantage is gone, um, rigged tournament, by the way, APEC had to wake up early. When that disadvantage <laughs> is gone, then I think they're going to be good. That's how I saw lost in the mid-season tournament as well. They had to get up too early. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, sure. there we go. Cut it here first, everybody. <laughs> we got Overwatch it covered. League is rigged. We got it covered. Uh, let's talk about the play-ins then for the APAC region because they finished their regular season games, which feels crazy to say that like the APAC region has finished their regular season games for this season. And uh, we got the last week of uh, the Western regular season games coming up as well. And then we're done with the regular season of 2022, which is nuts. Uh, but the play-ins are about this coming week. Uh, we got the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Chengdu Hunters and waiting the, because of their <laughs> incredible season so far. <laughs> the Hangzhou Spark are waiting in the wings to take on the Guangzhou Charge or the Chengdu Hunters for a you know spot what? in the playoffs. What's up? You know what the most Hangzhou thing that could happen right now is they, they win. win and they go to the playoffs. Yeah. That would be the most Hangzhou Spark thing ever. <laughs> that would to, be epic. To, to reiterate, I don't know if this... Was this before or after the winning soul? I, I reiterated this stats on the Watchpoint broadcast this past week, and I can't remember if it was with or without the soul win. But in their last 14 matches, they're 2 and 12. The Hangzhou Spark in the last 14 are 2 and 12. And can. I, I, my brain does not compute. That is absolutely like atrociously poor. Valiant that has is, a better record than that. That is, they actually did. Yeah. actually do. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, the Valiant. Look, hey, yo, talking about something. Three the, and three, right? Yeah, I, I said this in the WhatsApp group yesterday. The Valiant are three and three since No Hill left the team. <laughs> they're, they're mid no, since No, no Hill left. <laughs> now, they might have only beat, like, you know, pretty, like Guangzhou and Chengdu or whatever. They be, I don't think they beat anyone good. Or actually, they did, maybe. I don't know. The Valiant, three good. and three. There you go. The, two, and four, two and 12, the Hangzhou Spark. I mean, the, the Paris, they're on par with Paris right now. The they're going to make it. I can't believe it. But they yeah, did beat Seoul. Yeah, yeah, Paris aren't, didn't win two games this season, did they? No, they but, one. you know, I'm talking about, you know, the past the past 14 I matches. Paris might be 1-12. Right, right, right. 1-11, right. yeah. My, my serious Math. take is I, I think Guangzhou are the best team in that bracket. Yeah, 100%. I think so as well. In this yep. meta, as I said, like, Guangzhou are definitely very good in this meta right now. Like... I, they look really comfortable. I think Piggy's playing great on the Zaya. Like Guangzhou are my favorites to make it out of the plane. They they're in the right meta as well. Like yeah. you're in a perfect off tank meta where Piggy can carry the fuck out of this team. Um and everyone is is playing heroes that they are very good at. Xerneas has been unbelievably good. Holy fuck, he's yeah. so good. Actually one of the best supports in APAC. And I'm I'm a little annoyed. And I think Chengdu should be a little bit annoyed as well because when this guy's not watching anime during scrims, he's a monster. <laughs> and I think like, you know, if you're Chengdu, what, do you, what are you meant to do? Because you have to punish this guy. You have to have some sort of disciplinary action. I get why they drop Xerneas, right? It makes sense. But the yeah. issue is I can tell Xerneas is the type of guy where like he gets dropped for very legitimate reasons and then he gets motivated and then he, is go he gets good again. And then Chengdu's like, why couldn't you have just done that on our team? You know why? Why? Why do you have to? Why do you have to make us drop you and then you could be good on another team? The Just problem like, with those kind of players, though, if that is like the the narrative that we want to pull at, is it's like it's great until it isn't, right? Like until he gets bored and starts watching anime and screams, or they start losing and he starts losing faith, right? Like it just falls apart so far, so quickly from him. But like as you said, right now everything is it feels like a honeymoon period of the Guangzhou Charge of like all these players have finally been come together and they're like, holy shit, we're actually good. This is this is. I can't remember who said it. Uh, um, this is the best that Charge have looked since that summer showdown win in yeah. 2020. 100%. I've yeah. never seen the Charge like be at this level. It's scary, the turnaround that their season has had from going... At one point, I think, uh, hitting the summer showdown, they only had one win over the course of the entire regular season. Never made a tournament and done nothing. 
And yeah. now I think they are a team that might might even be better than the fusion. Might might even be like seriously competing with the the top two of Shanghai and and Seoul. I don't know how much opium I want to inject in there. I, I can't take it too far, my, but I mean, yeah. My fear for this team is exactly what I said earlier with the Shanghai Dragons is that like we've only seen them really pop off on this one meta, in which, as you said, lines up very well for their hero pools. There is definitely metas in which could be more difficult for them. So I'm curious to see if they are able to dodge that in this playoffs. Because if they stay, if like for whatever reason, right? Like let's say this patch for the playoffs doesn't really change the meta and we stay Zaya Lucio Bap. Yep. Charge can make a run and Charge are a scary 100%. team to play against when you have like Choice of One and Jimmy both playing at a very high level on heroes that they're comfortable on. Like, yeah. and then the other players, we all know how talented they are. So it's like, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I hope they make it out of play-ins. I really hope it, you are wrong and Spark do not fucking show up. Like, I will be mad if Spark show up because Spark been a will while. show up to the playoffs and play Rush. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since Guangzhou with a bit of Joe team. So, like, for ages, Spark with a bit of Joe team, and now Guangzhou's overtaking. That's impressive. It's a, yeah. the, the, and by the way, for all the people that are saying their, like, coaching staff sucked, they didn't change their coaching. I think one dude got dropped. They put on tight. They added in Ty Dollar as, a, I believe, even an assistant coach. Added in the uh, Ultra Prime Academy guys, and boom, their roster's just popping off now. Mm. Uh, that's good. It's a good story as well. Like, if you think about the players they have at their disposal, it's a good story. Like, obviously, Iveltal, Nog, Cernias, he wasn't changing to Hunters. Um, Jimmy as well, Redemption Arc, um, Aprita as well, didn't get to show what mm -hmm. he got on the Chengdu Hunters. Um, and also Piggy, you know, dropped by the Houston Outlaws earlier this year. And if they made the playoffs and beat the Houston Outlaws, holy yeah. shit. Oh, this is the like, ultimate revenge I'm just tour team. That this out is the, the world. ultimate revenge tour team. Everybody's on a revenge tour. Exactly. Yeah, I'd look forward to that. I think I think Hangzhou Spark is really the only team that I, like, I'm I, like, slightly disappointed that they qualify like even if Chengdu Hunters made the playoffs I'd be like well you know leave he's the reigning MVP and he's at the playoffs I know they've struggled so far but like if they made it I'll be like it'll be nice to see leave on land you know yeah. something like that but Hangzhou Spark if they make it and they're gonna rock up with fucking Tiro playing support for them <laughs> I'm like uh, and Neko I'm like oh this is Look just not what 12 I 12 man roster it's not what I want to see you know maybe can, uh, land, but uh I can tell you right now why Chengdu won't make it because we're in an off-tank meta and Daisy's not good enough. That's straight up the reason they won't make it. Um, yeah. And Gaga can't carry them in this meta because his hero pool doesn't flex the off-tanks well enough. And that's been his weakness. And, uh, you know, even even with Jim, Jimmu's improvements, even with Leave doing what he can do, um, the tank position is just too weak on the Hunters to, to go through. So I, I don't think they beat the charge. I think the charge is smack everybody and make it to playoffs and see charge in LA. Yeah. I did, I did watch Dicey play some off-tank on the Diva and stuff like that, and I'm like, this looks like someone getting their driver's license. It's just like, <laughs> it's just every action is a little bit slower than everyone else, you know, taking it easy, taking it slow, trying just to trying play safe. Trying not to hit the cones. Then, and then, yeah. like, you know, rounding the corner, you got a fucking Porsche in profit on Tracer, just, like, coming around, like, <laughs> zoom, hey, what's up, dude, hey, let's go, and Dicey's like, oh, no, uh, that's unfair. That's unfair to me. It, it was pretty, it was good. It, it, it was good, you know, but I, I think it's valid what the Admiral said. Um, he's had some moments, but overall is, is not good enough. I don't yeah, think. yeah. Uh, but he's definitely had his moments. It's not the end of the world. I wouldn't say that. Uh, all right. So there we go for the Overwatch League. Uh, the matches this past week. And, you know, we got some interesting matches coming up this week as well. Um, for example, like the Donald Spitfire and Toronto Defiant. I think they're competing. They're vying for that final and sixth uh playoff spot as well 
Um, I uh, London Spitfire, they're one game up on the Toronto Defiant. So London, they have a game against the San Francisco Shock and the New York Excelsior. This is just on, on the top of my head. So yeah, I hope I'm right, right here. But if they play Florida Outlaws. Yeah, so if the, the London Spitfire, if they beat the New York Excelsior, which, I mean, you never fucking know with that team. Come on. Uh, you that know, honestly, NYXL could. Like, it seems like a, we got nothing left to lose. Let's just fuck around and find out. Sure. Like, kind of game for the NYXL, There's right? There's no way, bro. I, I, I could. I don't know. I mean, if, if yeah. London, I, you know, if London comes out playing like, you know, Saria, Bap, Lucio, or whatever, like, they you know, they might get the job done. But I don't want to count out the New York Excelsior. Like, they have their moments sometimes. And, you know, I think LA Gladiators, I think they approached the map, the match wrong against the one in OXL. That's why I think it was so close. I think the Gladiators could have played that better. Um, but, you know, I got to give some credit to the NYXL. We'll see what they do against the London Spitfire. Um, so yeah we'll see what happens between those two teams can't really predict the future can we what's uh, up yep what's what's i don't know if we're really talking about london yet are we talking about london what's their pathway against top six i think it's pretty much like beat beat new york and then i mean shock like sure if you win if you beat the shock and then and uh, why you're in in right but even if you beat even if you beat new york the, it would be so hard, I think, for Toronto Defiant to, like, make it with map differential and all that. I think map differential is the first tiebreaker. I don't... I, part no, of me percentage. thinks it isn't any... I'm pretty it's, sure it's, it's match percentage. percentage. Yeah, it's like match percentage, which is really... I, 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 I want to give my gripe about this because Sean Miller came out and talked about this of, like, match percentage will be the king thing. But it's all match right. percentage of your regular season and your tournament performances. So, therefore, it, like... There was this like conversation that someone had about me. It's like APAC teams play less matches in their tournaments. So it's like, are they getting hurt because they don't play as many matches? So if it is oh. not map win percentage, uh, sorry, map wins, then, and it goes uh, to match win percentage. On top of that, no one can see what their match win percentage is on the standing. So it's actually very right. hard for us to understand or predict uh, what's going Scott, on. Scott, I will say percentage wise, it should still be the same. Like you should still get the same result in terms of who's above who. Like I don't think... Match percentage, match point, uh, percentage, and record is going to produce a different result. At least it shouldn't. Like theoretically, is there like a? I'm not a big maths guy. So, maybe the, the way I, the way that I'm thinking, I could be wrong. As I said, like, like let's say Dallas Fuel, they won through one of the tournaments, winning all four matches, not dropping a single one. Soul Dynasty does the same thing, and they win all three matches through the the top side. Dallas still wins one more match through the tournament than Seoul Dynasty does, even though they yeah. are both four. So therefore, Dallas Fuel would have a higher match win percentage when they are relating it to their regular season losses and stuff like that. So I don't know. As I said, I'm not 100% sure on these rules. It hasn't been clarified that well. But from what I'm interpreting from what has been said so far, that is how I, I will say. Done. I, I will say if it, if it is that, then I agree. I agree. They need to show that on the standings. Yeah. Because otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I, if you can't visualize it, you can't quantify it in a way that's digestible for everyone, including us and the viewers and whatever. Yeah, it's not, it's not a very good system otherwise. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's actually like in, information out there about this. So I don't want to go out on a limb and be like, you know, this is good, this is bad, whatever. Maybe that information is out there on a website in an article somewhere. Uh, maybe I missed it or something like that. But it, it, it would be nice if it was more like apparent. It's in the like Overwatch what, League rules. What, yeah, PDF. exactly. I'll download the, the rule book PDF. Um, <laughs> Just like having a better idea of like what's on the stake like this final week, you know, and, and this go for the stage qualifiers and stuff like that as well, right? It'd just be nice to have that information present you know and do? straightforward. So they should they should somehow partner with Liquipedia. 
because I think majority of people go to Liquipedia to find Overwatch results, including myself, player histories and everything, yeah. rather than like the website, because it's... Mm -hmm. We don't have they've done this shit sponsorships. For it's the Overwatch League. Ever, bro. I know. Liquipedia is run by volunteers, though. Oh, okay, yeah. you were joking, never mind. The, honestly, no, I'm not, no, I'm not joking. I'm joking. Like, okay. Scott's oh, sorry, Scott's joking. Scott's joking. Sorry, Scott's joking. Like, okay. like, Someone was joking. Just sponsor them in some fucking way, like help them out or like something. Just not like they need help. Who, who's, fair, are we sponsoring them or are they sponsoring do, us? I, that we're sponsoring them. I don't fucking know. Okay. Just oh. get a partnership should be formed, is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> alliances. <'cause> alliances <laughs> need to be formed. The houses need to come together. We must marry the houses. Okay, to we're gonna marry stronger. Jack off to Liquipedia. <laughs> you know what? Oh my I'm god. I'm fine with that. That's okay with I, me. Uh, I use their website all the fucking time. But like <laughs> honestly though, just having a, we are a convenient morons. source of fucking information it is We nice. are absolute morons. We should all get fired, collectively get fired. I mean, it's right there, but oh, you is got, it on Wikipedia? No, because that's where I It's check. on the official website, guys. Who would have thought? <laughs> all information very much lined out in detail to the, the actual uh, everything. Well, maybe they that's thought crazy. if we no, could have checked crazy. our own website. Instead, we went to some third-party horse shit, and you know, it's <laughs> not proper. Whoa, 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 not whoa, not whoa, Wikipedia. I'm oh, joking. Oh. I was just about to say previously that dude, the, the volunteers on Wikipedia, the people working on Wikipedia, I, I would like literally get on my knees for you guys. You are the absolute oh. fucking goats. Oh, oh, hey yo, take a take a knee. You know, it's like a king. You know. <laughs> uh, no, for real though, like the people up there in the Liquipedia and everything, like they're absolute like legends. Really though, uh, I, I, you know, Liquipedia has been one of the best sources of information in Overwatch history for so many years now, and I'm eternally grateful for all the work all the volunteers have put in on that website. Thank you so very much. That being said, the tie-breaking information is on our website, guys. <laughs> the regional play-ins, no two match win though. percentage. So we're right. And Sean Miller confirmed on Twitter that oh. match win percentage is relevant to your regular season and your playoffs. So as I said, but the thing that I said is true because uh, if <laughs> Dalsfield wins four games and Shoal wins three, and then you have to tie that into your thing, you've just won one more match in a win percentage than the other teams. Uh, which, as I said, match win percentage, I understand why they do it this way, to make tournaments matter in the situation of qualifying for play-ins, it is just very unclear of like, I couldn't, I wouldn't even know where to begin to be able to find those numbers to be able to calculate it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, like, yeah. No answers here. Yeah. Um, well, match win percentage. Wouldn't you just fucking add two numbers? Make math. No. Well, okay. No, yeah, okay. But then it, then you gotta, uh, like, I would have to go through to every single tournament, add up the number of wins that each team has and losses that they have in the tournaments, and then apply that to the regular season record. And then oh, make the I see what that. you mean. You're saying that the numbers, like, in the actual standings, like, they don't. Um, well, actually, if we take this up, actually. Uh, so, yeah, this is just regular season matches, is what you're saying, in the win and loss column. And so you'd have to go back to tournament yeah. and count the matches. Yeah. And, people, okay. people are yeah, saying that, it, that might be for the regional tournaments, but then what's the international plan? Like, what's the international seeding qualifiers? Like, oh, it's right here. It's right here. It's right here. Yeah, you got the stats. Uh, if you scroll down, it would be because it wouldn't be regional, regional tournament, tour mid-season tournament, regional uh, play-ins, international. 
So, wait, it, what? It had record in global tournaments, but we haven't had t global tournaments. This is international tiebreak. Is that it for playoffs, do you think? Is that might be for playoffs? I think the regional plans. Oh, makes sure, sense. sure. That, that might be. For, I think it is regional plans. I think it probably that has. That's the only one that makes sense, right? Uh, I don't know. Regional tournament tiebreakers. I mean, that's the tournament. Yeah, mid-season international tournament. That's for the tournament specifically. The mid-season play-ins, regional play-ins. That's for play-ins specifically. I, international tiebreak. It's probably for like. Well, I don't know. The actual playoffs? Actual playoffs, maybe. Yeah, yeah so yeah, head to head in global tour. Because that know. wouldn't make sense. That first one doesn't even make sense if you're trying to apply that because we've only had one global tournament. And that's not how Sean Miller said on Twitter that it's being determined. I mean, if we literally spoke to, you know, the people in charge and we know the people in charge and they were much legit and they know their shit, we would have sorted this out in five minutes. So in any way, do I not want to like make it sound on the podcast that like things are very confusing and they're like overcomplicated? Just like we, we literally just have to like speak to someone for five minutes and everything is clarified. They're very much on top of their shit and they know what they're doing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, 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 we are just uninformed by our own will. I will blame us. I will willingly blame us. At least me. I blame myself. Really? I should know this information. Let's blame us as a collective. I mean, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, all right. So there you go. Anyway, teams are playing for spots this upcoming regular season. Yeah, there you go. That's all you need to know. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk some awards, shall we? Round out a nice little episode oh with some awards. I think this is this conversation is going to go places. This. <sighs> All right. There we go. Let's let's start with the easy one, shall we? Uh, and I say that, and I know that Avril has some takes here now. MVP. Who did we vote for Wait, MVP? This is the guys? easy one. This, this is the, this is the, this is the hardest one. Okay, no, it's not the hardest. Start with rookie of the year. Start with rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Let's start with rookie of the year. Okay, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. All right, it's proper, guys. We go down the line. Oh, okay, right. it's proper. I voted proper. Everyone vote proper for rookie. Did anyone not vote proper? Did you not vote proper? I voted if you did not three. vote uh, proper for rookie of the year, you, you need and your three. votes taken away Silver from you. Three. Silver three. Silver three. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> vote. That's Mulan a good Ran. vote. I, I could appreciate <laughs> that. Milan run. Yeah, Milan run. Yeah. Who? I mean, who? Who else could you vote? People were saying Ryan, but then no. Yeah, Ryan. Right. Then they kind of. Yeah, if yeah, some so major who, who media else? outlet like really like looked at the tournaments and was like, I value tournaments. I'm going to vote to Reiner. He won two stages. What a G. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then what? They look was at it, was their, it anyone else? Was it anyone else competing? Like the, the the only other people that I think had like crazy rookie seasons were actually main supports. But I don't think as a main support you were really like I as a main support player, it's hard to really determine their impact. I think Chio had a great season. I think Vindane had a great yeah. season. Um, do you want to like rookies? But, do you want to hear my rant about supports and awards? All right, here we go. go I don't man. have to. I don't have to. It's a little bit incendiary. We don't have to go there. Incendiary. No, absolutely. Do you wanna do you wanna hold it for the roll star supports? We're doing roll stars as well, right? So do you wanna hold it for roll star support? Uh, it's got nothing to do with roll stars though. Okay. I think like roll stars is completely different. So you let it rip. My my take is just that uh look, I'm sorry for the people that are not gonna like this. This is maybe slightly offensive. I I don't I think I think it's outside of Jonak, which was like crazy in season one. But even then, if you think about it, he was like he was a DPS. He's basically a DPS or yeah, support. Like, I just don't think a support could ever realistically win. Definitely MVP. Yeah. Maybe even maybe even so rookie of the year. Like even that's for true. support to win, yeah, rookie supports of the year, cannot win. Like um, no, the alarm no rookie other. of the year award. 
<laughs> well, they could, no, Johnny, they could if there were no fucking DPSs in the rookie pool. Yeah. Then they could win it. Yeah. yeah. Alarm like, did win like, it. He's, the the, the okay. award is and, named and, and, after Alarm. Okay. Okay. It, okay. People can. Fine. Okay. People can. It is much more unlikely and requires like a massive thing. Like the reason Alarm won it is because Especially that was another. Support. Like, I don't. Yeah. Mate support was a rookie win. that year. Good luck. Only flex supports can really win it because that's where you can see the most impact. Because when we're talking about these awards, it's generally off the people who are having the most impact in the server. And the reality is. Main supports and supports in general are very impactful, but not in a very visual way or like in a way that is going to be able to be quantifiable in the same way that you just see someone like Proper who just goes in on Tracer and just fucking big booty bombs down on the, every other team. <laughs> like it's not even close. He just fucking goes crazy. And you're like, how do you compare that to Vindame who looks great at keeping his team alive and gets a cool boop every now and then and has cool impact? Like that's Real not question. comparable. Who was the next best... Rookie after alarm in season three. Uh, the next well, rookie after three. alarm in season three. Well, the, that's the year he won it, right? So, yeah. What? Who was the next best after alarm? God. I can't, dude. I can't remember because season three to me is like an entire just black hole. I legitimately can't remember. What about them a lip? Wait, season three. We're talking about twenty twenty one. Oh wait. No, that's twenty twenty. That's twenty twenty. Lip was twenty twenty, oh, right? Course, and Saitra yeah. was on that shit early on lip. He was, actually, yeah. Uh, was it the first one for Ans? Yeah, it was the first season you know, for Ans, I think right? I voted for Ans. Yeah, I'm the pretty fuck sure did I voted for Ans that year. Why did Ans not win? That's well, kind of crazy. It was one of those things as well, where, like, Alarm, like, we knew that he was going to enter the league for, like, two years. Like, he was on the, the Fusion yeah. Academy, right, for, like, since 2018, 2019. And it was, I think it was one of those things where, like, we almost, like, took it out in advance. Just, like, Alarm wins it. Wait, I also Sparkles think in season three. What the fuck? Arn's hard How? peak. Arn's hard. Well, Sparkle like was very good in the Genji meta, but like not maybe not throughout the entirety of the season. And Arn's flat. hard yeah. peaked at like the end of the season. Remember, like we vote halfway through the last stage usually, so that kind of stuff. So I think Alarm just had a good year. I okay, think you okay. definitely could have anyway, made arguments for other people. Yeah. Let me let me let me change up my take a little bit then. Rookie there, whatever. But MVP very hard for a sport to ever win that award because yeah. now you are yeah, going up definitely. against every single player and. You know, something that uh, Yiska's also put out there. It's just like flex DPS, not even hit scan. Hit scan, even it's harder for hit scan than flex DPS. Because flex DPS, I think, from my perspective, might be the most difficult role to play in the entire league. Uh, it's, it's mechanically the most challenging, has the highest hero pool requirements. Um, all the heroes you're required to pull, uh, play in that pool have crazy high skill ceilings and to be a top flex dps you have to be like a master at all of them um if we think about like who who the best flex dps's are they're like they, they're pretty much hyper flex status i mean we're talking about guys like kefster and leave who can play everything across the board at like in a ridiculously high level and even go across to other roles um and even like guys like profit who then go into actually go into other roles like beyond dps even so, so i'm gonna show this uh because i think it feeds into conversation pretty well this is uh, the NFL MVP. This is MVPs by position in the NFL. And we'll just take a look. I don't know how long the history is, but we got 45 wins for quarterbacks. 45 times have quarterbacks been MVP. 18 times for the running back. 
And then it's one for linebacker, one for oh defensive no. lineman, and a oh kicker got MVP oh. once. I don't yeah, know what fucking kicker got MVP. I don't know how the fuck that happened. I don't even know if this is accurate. But he just kicked good, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> he kicked real well. I don't know. Vinatiero, I don't know. There was some there was some Scandinavian kicker once, the Danish kicker or something. I don't know. He, apparently it was really fucking good. Uh no wide receiver and like you know if you're into the nfl you know the wide receivers have like a huge impact on the game as well so th this just tells the story that like quarterback is the most important role in the nfl they get That's the most the MVPs. Is, um, yeah and is also the other ones is running back the guy that scores the, the touchdowns scores. they're the one who is... runs the ball runs the ball in just running he yeah. runs from the back yeah, run yeah. They're like hit scan players, I suppose. They just do one thing. They just shoot. They're like the running backs, they just run. <laughs> just run the ball. And they bro. either pop off or suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they either pop off or suck. Either run big or. Uh, this is Ballon d'Or. So this is soccer. Ballon d'Or wins 1956 to 2015 by position. 40 times forward, 14 times yeah. midfielder, five times defenders, and one goalkeeper. This oh. is actually. That is super accurate. Blue DPS, forward DPS, midfielder. Tank. Another DPS and then a kind of a tank. Oh, maybe Defender is definitely a fucking sure. Okay. Um, and then goalkeeper, those are the fucking supports, baby. <laughs> the the, the Illustrious Award has not been without this criticism recent year. World Cup winning German defender, Philip Lahm, absolute legend, by the way, if you know soccer, criticized the Ballon d'Or, setting up merely a popularity contest for strikers and suggested it should be broken <laughs> down into awards for each position. True. This dude is molding, This bro. guy is asking for roll stars in soccer. <laughs> roll stars, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So we already solved that problem because we got roll stars. Yeah, my, my overall point of why I even brought this up is that like, because I see some rhetoric out there like, oh, I'm tired of DPS winning all of it. I'm like, well, that's just how it is. I mean, like they, they, they play oh, the, the most plays. impactful role. Like that's just how it is. I mean, like the quarterbacks and the running backs, they're going to get all the awards because they score all the points. They do, they, they do the shit that people care about. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not like people are biased against supports. I mean, it's just how sports and games and competitions work where like if you're in a supporting position you're helping other people succeed and look fucking great they, they, it's not like we don't their job is still important everyone respects their job but in terms of awards people care about the guys that put up all the points and in our game the people that put up all the points are the dps players it's just kind of how it is all right so we we'll finished out the rookie of the year conversation here everyone obviously yep. voted proper so it's all proper um, yeah shout outs to like vindheim um chio even I'll, I'll throw that in there yeah, sure. and you got like you got like zest as well who had a, he's on the mvp yeah. ballot as well uh, rookie of the year we'll get there oh, sorry you sorry no, you <laughs> absolutely oh, i'm tired of saying no, names and he's like oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no mvp we're, i thought we were an we're, mvp we're actually getting there so let's talk about mvp and i want to throw that out there as sort of like a follow-up to what we just talked about as well um i think most people here wrote the proper we'll get to that than like the actual candidates but one candidate for this award, could arguably, although I don't think he is, be Hanbin from the Dallas Fuel. And so I want to sort of like follow up on the conversation we just had. What do we think the likelihood of a tank winning this award could be now, now that there's only one tank in the game rather than two? Do we put more like recognition onto the tank role because there's only one tank? And do you think it's more likely we'll see tank players win this award? In the future. Not, to, not this year, but in the future. I mean, mathematically, I no, right? Because both sorry now well there's one less tank so technically Math. mathematically you uh receive a less chance of getting an award because it is you know am i wrong am i wrong with that i don't know I where don't... you're going with this no, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I don't mathematically know. because there's one less tank 
There's four other roles rather oh, than. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, I see. You're saying God, I thought I was fucking dumb. I'm like, wait, do I not know addition? Like simple addition. You're right, but like I, I, I understand what you mean because there's. It was a very hyperbolic. Like this is a dumb comment. It was a dumb comment. Let's move on. Some comment. What Jaws is trying to say for people who didn't get it is that in Overwatch 1, everybody. tank players, because they're 2 out of 6, tank players occupied 33% of the team makeup, right? Whereas now, it's 1 out of 5, and so only 20% of your team is tank. And so he's saying there's, you're less... Less likely. Less, for yeah, example, you're yeah. less part of the team or whatever. Yes. Yeah, but, but yeah. you have I more think, impact in a game. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think Johnny's point of impact is the one he's talking yeah, yeah. about. Oh, because you, you only impact. have one tank being more impactful. And I think, like, Hanbin... <laughs> If he had played in the mid-season tournament and had played incredibly well, I think there would be a lot more votes for him. Uh, the yeah, big for sure. thing for me and why I couldn't vote for him is that he didn't play for Dallas Fuel really in the mid-season madness and they didn't perform that well at the one major international event. It's the same thing that I hold against the Seoul Dynasty and their players is the one international event that we had this entire year they didn't perform at a high level. And I think that is really where everything was the most competitive. Everyone was playing at the best and we didn't get to see those players play against the best things. It's like Prophet and Smurf have not played against Hanbin, have not played against Proper for the most part, right? Like they they didn't play in those big heads-head uh, -head matches in the ones that matter. And I that just like leaves, I don't know, a salty taste in my mouth in terms of like being able to appreciate and vote for them for MVP. I was going to respond to Jack, but uh, I think we moved on. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, sorry. There's a dumb point. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was trying to brush away from Jack for a yeah, there's a dumb point. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I've said, I've yeah. said enough offensive things. I definitely uh, would agree with you, Scott. Like, if Hanbin, I would have voted for Hanbin 100%. If he showed up and was like, okay, started deep dicking, then yeah, definitely. I think it's difficult because I think we had this discussion before where what quantifies like mvp in fact i think it was you avril i don't know it was somebody oh, hello. but it, it's like most valuable player like to the team the one that carries the team the most or is like more all-rounded has just had consistently decent performances on a very strong team too or is he like we can get into who we voted for, but like Prop was obviously up there in main contention because he, if you removed him from the team itself, they would be no way near as dominant as they've been. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of go back to with like the MVP rankings. If you removed X player from the team, how would the team perform? Would it be like a dramatic shift? Or would it be like a small shift? I, 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 Maybe I, they go down a couple. I honestly, I'd prefer to go in the other direction as to just like not not shit on the players on chalk because I genuinely think like they're 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 great. No, so many of them. No, but I'm just, you know, this is I'm not giving to, to a, you specifically, Joss. This is just to everyone overall. in the community because I've heard sure. people say this as well. I'd rather just phrase it as like if you put proper on any other team, that team would be like so extremely much better. Like okay, they yeah, would just sure. be so much better because I, of proper's presence. And so I'd rather just phrase it like that. I would also say that the uh, for MVP in my definition, it's not just like your value to the team and like how much you're providing to your team or potentially another team hypothetically. But also like, are you the are you the best player? I, I am I am I crazy in thinking that? Like I I think the MVP in some cases also fulfills the criteria of like maybe the best player in the world. Um, and I felt that way about Leave last year. I was like, I think this guy's the best player in the world. 
um and and on top of that his his uh, his value to the team was high i don't know if you guys uh i highly recommend not that i'm trying to promote too much of other things but like christopher had an interview with yiska recently it was really really insightful about um all these awards kind of stuff from the perspective of a coach like what they value in a player what they believe you know makes a player valuable and good and, and who they would vote for in terms of stuff like mvp and who's deserving of that and, and the way christopher was describing proper and leave etc it's just like yeah the value they're bringing how insanely good they are how how you know transcending they were are as players um who did he say should win mvp just curious now that you're dropping it um i'm pretty sure he agreed with albert that it should be proper for this year but i also he but Christopher also said that last year he believed that Leave was definitely the front runner because I know a lot of people, yeah. even in the chat right now, are like, "Oh, it shouldn't have been Leave." It's like, ridiculous. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of coaches, like you know, Christopher just openly says, "Like, yeah, it was it was very clearly Leave last year with like no shadow of a doubt." Um. Anyway, I I still have another question to pose. Like we're talking about Harmon, we're talking about tanks, but you know, I don't get me wrong. I think Harmon's amazing, but do we think he's even the best tank? Because you got Smurf for the conversation as well, and I think they bring a couple of different things to the table. Because in my opinion, Harmon has higher peaks on certain heroes, but Smurf is like potentially like a, a a better flex piece all around. Like if you are building a team, be honest. If you're the GM, do you first round draft Harmon or Smurf? Like how do you, how do you build your team? That's a really important question to ask. No, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I think Smurf, Smurf struggles from consistency. I think that is his biggest uh, weakness of that. He's just so consistently good and he is always putting up those, uh, those things. But the reason that I always valued what Hanbin has done this year is I feel like Hanbin has been that focal point for them and the most important in the server, a player in the server every time he is there. Um, when he has carried Dallas Fuel to a lot of their success in the kickoff clash in the um, summer showdown. And that is why I always talk about proper in that way of people say, love to use this example of San Francisco Shock have never won anything. Okay. But San Francisco Shock are also went fourth, second, and second. So they have always been there at every single tournament at the highest level. And when you watch those matches, almost every time they are in that match, proper is the most valuable player in the server mm -hmm. every single time. Even when like there have been situations where shock has been blown out, that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe some other players on the opposition team when they're getting blown out have had bigger games as you would expect. Proper is always putting up these numbers and he is always being a big player. And for me, a big way of what I determine who I want to be MVP is I take a step back and I said, if I was a GM and I could pick any one player to build my roster around right now, who would I start with? And for me, this season, the player that I would pick to start with would be proper. I would put him in my lineup and then I would build around that because he, in my opinion, has always been the most valuable player of almost every server he's ever been in this year. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I also vote for proper to put it uh, same. Right I will say, That's... during San Francisco Shock's losing streak there, I mean, they lost four matches in a row at, at some point there, and Proper did look mortal on the Tracer. Like, not not like it's as any fed or, like, was bad or anything, but, like, he didn't... He, 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 he didn't enter, like, god mode in the server. Like, he, you know, he held his own, he did good, um, better than average um, on the Tracer, but he didn't look immortal the same way as has previously in the season. And I was like, well, what would, you know... What would it take for Kevster, for example, to win... MVP. He'd won two stages. Um, even in the Jotes meta, Kevster looked fantastic. Like, I actually asked for this for, from our stats guy, Noah. So, like, 
hey, what are Kevster's like Genji stats during the Jotes meta? And like, despite Gladiator struggling, Kevster was like fucking among the top of the league on those Genji stats and stuff like that. Like, so it was never Kevster was the problem. We know that it was, you know, the Junker Queen adaptation when Space came in, they looked a lot better. But like Kevster consistency at a high level has been unbelievable so far this season. And he's a two-time stage champion. So I'm like, well, what would it take for Kevster to win MVP? But I never got there. I think proper is the MVP. Um, and Kevster probably like second place for me. You know, Smurf yeah. deserves to be there as well, but... Is, uh, is all three of you go proper? Just confirming. You all three yeah. of you went proper? Yep. I, I haven't revealed mine yet. No, we got to get into that. I know, uh, I know where you went, probably. I, I, I had a toss-up, man. I had a toss-up. I went silver three, like I said. I had a toss-up. Because <laughs> um, I was like, well, what, what do I value? What, who would I pick first round draft if I was GM? What do I value? And I was, there's, you know, when you look at the, the player pool for Overwatch League this year, it's like, on one hand, I, I look at it from the perspective of like the the level of tanks. You have very few super elite tanks, and then it kind of drops off really quickly. Like after Smurf Harmon, who who's really next in that conversation? Right, it gets yeah. a little bit difficult for me, in my opinion. The role stars I have the, big trouble with actually. Whereas yeah, you look at the flex DPS is like if you if you miss proper the first round draft, I, I don't think I'm upset if I get Kefs the next. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, the the second, third, fourth choices. For that position, they're actually still pretty stacked up. So when when I really take all of that into account, I'm like, who do I really go for proper as MVP? So when it came down to it, the person who I put down as my MVP, yeah, it's still proper actually. So and the reason, <laughs> 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 okay, I love it. So, and the reason is, is the reason is, I think what pushed over the edge for me is, um, he is just transcend. He just transcends everything that that there is in this league. Um, you know, when I've looked at other opinions outside of talent and I looked at what Albert said, I looked at what Christopher said, um, you know, other coaches that have played against him, other players that played against him, it's just like if he's he's playing at a level, doing things that in my honest opinion it's just it has not been done before. Kevster is a great player, but he doesn't command the server, he doesn't dominate the server at the level of consistency the peak that proper does almost every single time you you have to like count on a single hand how many bad games proper has i mean the level of like nitpicking that fans have to go to like oh look you see that proper missed one pulse but like that's the level of nitpicking they have to get to to try and take down proper because he's so damn consistently good that you have to get into the real nitty-gritties whereas like other players i mean you can it's way easier to find poor performances um but it's not even about that it's just like Maybe maybe I shouldn't have included this into the MVP considerations because really when you talk about MVP and you talk about awards, you should only think about what he did this year. But my extra sort of bias towards proper is I, I know what else he's actually capable of because there's, there's more stuff that he's done that hasn't even been shown in the Overwatch League that I know he can do. And that's the scariest part. It's like he's already been ridiculous, but I know he's got more. And the reason why is because in his contenders career, and by the way, before people come and say it's contenders, just remember... All the top players that are coming through, all these rookies, they played in contenders' career. Guys like Zest, Proper, Kilo, Merit, etc. Finn, they, okay, they, these, they all played against each other. Piggy, etc. Okay, these, these guys all exist. They, we know they're top players, so I ain't fucking around when I say that. Like in, in contenders, is a really top level stuff, uh, especially last year at O2 Blast scrimming Shanghai. You know, those, those that uh, O2 Blast last year was a phenomenal team. If you look at that roster, still is now. Um, when you see Proper in metas, where he is still the star player no matter what the meta is. If it's an Echo meta, a Water meta, a Ash meta, we all know how good Merit is this year. Merit has been fucking phenomenal. He's actually been so good. 
and I'll be the first one to say that I probably didn't give Merritt a fair shout at the start of the year, and I was totally I was completely wrong about Merritt. He's the top player this year. But even back in contenders, when Merritt was on runaway and Proper was on Ultra Blast, obviously, and we had a pure, we had like a hard Ash hit scan meta. Proper was the, the best hit scan player on the team, and he diffed he diffed Merritt. He was is be, a better Ash player, a better hit scan player than Merritt. He was a better Widowmaker than other Widowmakers in contenders career. He was a better Echo than other Echo players. He's just moving between whatever the most important DPS hero is. He is he was always that guy, no matter what. Tracer, he was always that guy. Boom, he's he's just. Whatever the most important DPS here is, he's the best player on that role. It's, it's ridiculous. And he moves between hit scan and flex DPS and projectile like, like it's nothing. And you see that this year as well. He just, he just, they bring Striker back and Proper just goes on Sojin. And now he's just the best Sojin on the team. It's, it's like unbelievable. Um, what he does, seriously, is, is un, he's, I think he's, he's the level of hyperflex where he's got leaves, hero pull, and more. And then he's even like better in terms of the vertical of how good he is on those heroes. That's, that's what transcends it. I think he's even better than Leave was last year. And that's saying a lot, because I, I was the guy that backed Leave really hard last year, and I'm saying Prop is even better than that. Yeah, I, I, I think one of my biggest... Like, I completely agree with every, everything I was said. That's why I voted for Proper as well. But I think one of the biggest weird things for me in this community is that it's so divisive. Like, people just, like, can't understand that people can vote for other things. Like, this was probably the closest MVP race we've ever had. I think Proper, by the way the winds are shifting, looks to be a front runner. But I think there are, you could make an argument for a lot of different players. Like, I think you could have voted for Smurf. I think you could have voted for Hanbin. You could definitely have voted for Kevster if you wanted to. I think Profit's on there, there as well, like, on the high up of the votes. And I think that's good. And I don't think there is anything wrong with voting for those players or thinking that those players are more deserving there is no right or wrong answer it is just how you believe and how you perceive the most valuable player is and i think for a lot of us it is proper and we have been pushing that narrative for a while so maybe there's bias there but i genuinely agree with avril that for me proper was it for other people it won't be he backs up the narrative though it's it's not even just like some false narrative to some people though right like you gotta be understanding of like some people are always going to have their own personal biases people are always going to have their own things like yes the numbers prove i agree with you avril the numbers prove that proper has been the best player uh on men multiple different heroes but some people just don't look at that uh in the in the same lens i i would actually say that if you don't pick proper for mvp this year i think you're overthinking it like I think, <laughs> I think people have a tendency, and I, you know, obviously, like I've I've been in the scene for so long now that it happens to me too. But you really have to catch yourself not to overthink things and not try to be smarter, like than you know what the answer actually is. Sometimes the answer is just like proper, and I think that is the case this year. And like, if you want to make an argument for other people, sure, throw them into the loop, like mention their name, talk about why you actually like really appreciate this their season so far. But I think if you if you seriously like pick one of those other people besides proper, either you have a bias against San Francisco Shock, you have a bias against proper, you're tired of the narrative on broadcast, or some other thing, you're trying to be smarter than everyone else. I, I really think that the answer is as simple as like proper is the best player in the league. The shock wouldn't have reached the heights they did without him. I, I think I think he's by definition like the most valuable player in the league. I don't mm -hmm. think he's that heads and shoulders number one. Like okay. do you guys agree with Johnny? Like that he, you think proper is heads and shoulders number one? Um. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I think the I mean, okay. impact so, he's had on the game. Let me. Let me. The past. Sorry. Let me. Let me put it like this way. Do I think that proper is by far, far and away the best player, like in the world? Like I'd actually say no. 
like i'd actually say no like i think there are people who are like in his tier of like skill individual skill and how good they are at the game but because it's also most valuable player i i think that even if you want to throw in like shoe into the conversation if you want to throw in kevster into that conversation the fact that the gladiators team is just better than the san francisco shocks team that is a benefit to proper because he's the most valuable to his team whereas you know the gladiators have all these other players like even even soul dynasty like you have you know smurf profit fits have been amazing um and so i think by definition of valuable like proper is up there so yeah but like you're, you're saying that as if the shock don't have a stack as fuck roster like they do they have violet finn backline like collusion yes he's a rookie who's had i would say some mixed success this season has been pretty good and then he had had kilo he has like uh sam like these are all good players like you can't discredit like these players that are around him like proper Glad just better yeah You'd have to say Glad's roster I would overall say, better. I would say Glad's is more well-rounded. I think they have more versatility to them, um, so that they would be good in every matter. And it's kind of crazy that they did go two and four in a matter. Which, by the way, and and another thing that uh, was actually to go back to the Christopher interview because again, super insightful. Because he actually said that, like at the end of the summer showdown, if the Glad's qualified into Toronto for the summer showdown, they would have won the tournament. That's what Christopher believes. From like how good they eventually got on the screen, it just took them a while to figure it out. Like, they took a while to get space on towards the Junker Queen um, and all that kind of stuff, and they took a while to figure things out, but they were actually, like, apparently they were unbelievably good at the end of Summer Showdown. That's a good they take. Just ran they out always of time. will be, right? They, like they, they have such a good roster. Like, they, they will never be yeah. bad for a long period of time. Like, all right, they're just too good. Uh, we, we should move on here because we're recording long, and, you know, we spent f more than a fair amount talking about the MVP conversation here. Um, so, you know, we could talk forever about this, but let's move on. Uh, perhaps... Another interesting one. Uh, I know we have some differing of opinions on this one. Let's go ahead and talk about the coach of the year. So I think for most people, they will actually uh, go with Christopher here from the London Spitfire because of his massive impact. Um, of course, maybe I should just let you guys announce what you guys picked. But I picked Christopher anyway. Um, and I know there are a few other candidates in there that you could mention. But Joss, let's start with you. Who did you vote for for coach of the year? Thank you, Johnny, for passing the talking pillow. I think uh, I think it's a pretty easy one from myself. Uh, I've heard Christopher too. Um, just the amount he's done with a team that has very little bag is quite exceptional. Uh, okay, my my time with you didn't throw me the talking pillow, but I'm going to talk out cool. a sequence. Yep, thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, before I start this, I'm going to talk about how I think Coach of the Year is a very stupid award, and I think that we do not provide <laughs> based, any insight. We do not provide any insight into coaches. We don't talk to coaches. We don't hear from coaches. And one yeah. of the main reasons that most people are going to vote for Christopher is because Christopher has been one of the most outspoken coaches in doing interviews and stuff like that. With that said, I still voted for Christopher as well for the exact same reason that Jack said. I and because. I have heard insight from him and way he's talked about his roster, the way he's talked about this team and building it with the limited resources that he has. And then the results that has followed, I gave it to Christopher. Throw the pillow. Oh shit. Avery up. I actually can't even troll this one. Cause you already know what I picked. Cause I, I, I dropped it in the, the caster chat, but uh, um, first of all, I agree. So I think uh, the whole coach of the year award, I, I still think it should be more like a coaching staff of the year award, but I know that's not as sexy because like it's it's less like, I don't know, maybe people don't vibe with that as much. I remember I brought up that ages ago, but it just it didn't catch on. Um, I think most teams view it as a coaching staff of the year award anyway, but uh, I actually went, because uh, I'm, I'm obviously super biased, I went towards Toby. 
Um, and the, I think that when I when it really came down to it, uh, what kind of made the difference for me is I look at Toby in a very similar sense to looking at Christopher in terms of what they've done with their relevant teams. Now, obviously, if we're if we're if we're viewing this from a budget perspective, like who did more with what budget? Yeah, Christopher wins that hands down. When I look at it from a perspective of like what did how did they turn around this team? What did they do for the team? And how is the team now compared to where it was? And I also think about here's the extra factor for me that really swinged it was Toby. Is like what is their reputation and what is people's perceptions of them and, and what is the belief behind these this person and um their credentials coming in as well. Christopher is someone that was already fairly well regarded coming through from Fusion. I think most people looked at Christopher on London as like, man, this is a really great move. He's gonna be fantastic. They're gonna finally build the the you know the London European team of their dreams. Um and I, I look at Sol and I think when Toby was announced as head coach, people were like, why why is this guy head coach? I mean, this is he's got no experience. He's never he's never coached before. Like, why is this guy on the head coach? He's gonna fail. He's gonna he's gonna ruin this team. And Sol Sol's reputation had been down in the dumps for a very long time. This is a team that like had a lot of potential, has always had some potential. In season one, they should have been one of the best teams. They've always just kind of fallen behind the short of the mark. And they've never won anything. Just remember this as well. They've never won anything. Um, this isn't fair to Christopher because London actually did win something, but it's got nothing to do with him. Right? It's got nothing to do with his version London. But anyway, the Soul, the Soul franchise from start to finish has just been tragic up until this year. And Toby comes in, they get some new players, they added Smurf. I don't know who's responsible for adding Smurf into the roster. I heard you know Prophet kind of helped convince Smurf to join as well. I don't know if Toby had a say in that, but as far as looking at coaching staff goes, yeah, I'll just add it in there. Um, and Seoul completely turned around from a tra from a, like a very tragic franchise that uh, never won anything, had a bad reputation, to instantly winning the kickoff clash and being a top team throughout the year. Their record this year, regular season, has been phenomenal. They only they had one hiccup. They had one hiccup in midseason madness. I don't hold that against them too hard because I think every team's had a hiccup. Glad's had a hiccup in summer showdown. Shock's had a hiccup now in countdown cup. Like every team's had a hiccup somewhere. I don't I don't count that against the Seoul dynasty that hard, right? I think every top team's had that. Um, so just just seeing it for me, like Soul Dynasty and Toby is like the more high-tier version of Christopher in London, where Christopher kind of turned London from a bottom team to a very respectable mid to upper mid team. And Toby turned Soul from like a mid team to like a legitimately top team that could go for a championship. I think that's crazy. I think that's uh that's worth a lot. I think it's I think it's worth mentioning in this a similar case as well is is you know the LA Gladiators coaching staff and we talked a lot about them yes. like at the start of the year but and you can say what you want about like the talent on the roster um and how they have like probably like one of the best rosters in the league it was still very obvious like when you watch their substitutions when you watch their compositions their play style they're an incredibly well-structured team like a very well-coached team the way they approach these games and um, how structured they are in their play and their subs and everything that goes into it so I think the LA Gladiators coaching staff needs to be mentioned there as well with a team that like took a franchise that like historically haven't won anything and you know for years on end we harped on the LA Gladiators like they can't win like they're not winners um, and you know Face and his coaching staff now with Hunter like they took LA Gladiators from that edge from being a great team already to being like a, a stage winner in many regards I, they, I know they win on stage last year as well but like they won two consecutively this year as well I, I think they deserve massive praise for that so Definitely close in that regard. I will say the previous winners of this award, it was Rush for the Dallas Fuel, and then uh, it was Moon, of course, of the Shanghai Dragons um, as well. So historically, the award, the Coach of the Year award has gone to like the best franchise. Krusty, right? 
Uh, Plus, he's never got it. He's never won. No, the, oh, the award didn't, didn't exist. The award uh, didn't exist 2018, oh. 2019. Wow. So, okay. Krusty's never won it, which is Travis Also, Hunter gave us the Twitch emote, Hunter Gay Sex, which is very funny. But, but my, very the, funny. The, the funniest you, thing that I laugh at with the Gladiators is people are like, I think Hunter deserves it. He's the best head coach of the uh, of the league. And then you're like, well, he's not he, even the head coach of the fucking team. And yeah. so, like, it, it, like, he is the most personable coach. He is though. the most personal, but he oh. is not. Faces the head coach of the Gladiators, yeah. uh, who is also another smart guy, but he's just less in the forefront and we haven't really heard yeah. from him. Uh, but he's a very smart guy. I also want to throw a hat in the ring of just like praise of if we're going to do it for London, I think Gumbo has done a good job with the Florida man. Absolutely. Yeah. A team oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. is a hodgepodge yeah. of players from all over the world that a lot of players weren't looking at. Uh, sorry, a lot of teams weren't looking at and a lot of people weren't expecting. We had them going pretty close to 20th going into this uh, season and they are very solidly middle of the pack. So big props to Gumber as well. He's, he's been overlooked um, because like, I feel like people need to look at Florida a little bit more because all the, uh, first and foremost, Christopher deserves a shitload of praise. If I didn't vote for Toby, I would have gone for Christopher. But uh, Gumba's taken Florida to very similar highs. And, you know, I think people kind of forget about Florida because I think in the preseason, a lot of us and a lot of other uh, personalities would have said like, oh, no, no, the, the fans are wrong about Florida. Florida's not a bottom team. They're more like a mid team. And so the, the narrative around Florida changed. And when you look at, you know, the budget from, you know, if you, if you look at the budget report and stuff like that, Florida and London, pretty similar. Most people thought Florida was going to be a bottom team. Custer, you said it. They took in a lot of plays that people... It was completely overlooked. Here's a, here's a stat for team. you. Florida Mayhem yep. have ended every tournament this year higher than the London Spitfire. Exactly. Yep. And here's, a, here's a better stat for you, Johnny. They also knocked out the London Spitfire multiple times. Every time? Yeah. Or multiple times? What, I think every, almost every time. They knocked out. They specifically are the team that knocked out the London Spitfire. So I don't know what it is, but London Spitfire have a better regular season record. But the Mayhem have, have consistently outperformed them in tournaments. That's got to be worth something. I think um, for me, the reason I weight Christopher's weight is that of how poorly the London Spitfire team did last year. And he did it like he sort of yeah, I agree. fixed I that agree. team rather than rebuilt that team. And that's why I hold Christopher at a higher standard. Yeah. For that. I think Gumber is one of the best team builders in the history of the league. Yeah, absolutely. He's money builder. He's got fucking 19 spreadsheets. He's fucking crunching the numbers. Like He's he the knows. guy. I, I want to give one more uh, honorable mention. Sorry, can, a... can I, before you move on as well, I just want to say that as well. We interviewed Gunbo, of course. And like, I, I, I'm yep. just like still amazed to this day, but like we asked him, like, how did he decide to pick up these players in the preseason or, you know, before <laughs> the season? And he literally was just like, we just picked up the best players possible. Uh, like yep. the, those who were like the best at the game. And then we'll figure out communication later. We'll figure out all that stuff later. And the, the fact that you got all these different players who like some of which couldn't even like communicate with each other, just picked them up into an international roster and was like, hey, this is our structure. These are the compositions. This is how we're going to play the game. And like implement all that with communication. That is just like unbelievable to me. That is a, a fantastic coaching job. Also, can I, this is something that people don't realize as well, but Florida looked awful going into Summer Showdown. And then they came fucking forth. Yeah. Right? People forget about it. like the turnaround into the tournament. I don't know what it is. They get a tournament buff. Unbelievable tournament buff. Um, the other coach I wanted to kind of bring up because no one really talks about him is Smash from the Gladiators. Because people either think about like well, I have no idea doing. what this guy does. Uh, people talk about yeah. Smash. They they like race him I, up. We did an interview with him. I'm gonna be completely honest. I have no fucking idea what Smash does. Yeah. Well, he, he, let, he, let me know. Because I want to know. A heavy, he's a heavy well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of friends with some of the glass he's a heavy uh strategy guy he's like a he's he's from if you really talk to Anton, you ask him like you know who's who's fucking doing a, 
well, I think this is maybe an unfair question. You don't, you don't want to put the coach as a competition, but like he'll tell you Smash is a fucking legit elite tier coach that really added a lot to this team. Uh, from a strategy point of view, he's just like a, he's been described to me as like a super smart coach, just uh, knows the game at a ridiculously high level. Um, and I mean, remember, this is the problem is, with the award. We don't know this shit. We don't know who is providing the value to the team, yeah, right? Like exactly. most people it's probably so didn't even know who Smash existed, right? Like yeah. that is the problem with this award. Through and true, people give it to teams based off of results, and they yep. just give the assumption that like. The coach should equal the, win. Especially then, they just point towards the, the head coach and say, this guy is doing yeah. it. When there is usually three coaches on every team where there is yeah. an un, unknown, like when I like when I was on the Valiant in 2018, I worked directly with Goomba. He wasn't the head coach, but he offered so much to that success of that 2018 Valiant team. And he yeah. was a big proponent to that. And you can see that in his future success, but people probably didn't even know who Goomba was at that time yeah. as well. I mean, like, you, you hate Moon, we get it. No, I'm kidding. Um, Joking, I'm joking, dude. Um, but I, dude, I agree. Gumbers, I got a history of Gumbers. Other guys, incredible. Uh, people, people forget where Smash even comes from. He was the head coach of O2 Blast from last year that had proper and all the and Keeler and Finn, all those guys, and Merritt. Um, Smash, he he led O2 Blast to like their best year ever in contenders. So I mean, this this guy was super fucking goaded. I don't know. It's it, but I agree. It's so hard to discern exactly what coaches do unless you know we can get more content surrounding coaches or more insight and that that is being worked on like i can actually say that like i've been encouraged by other parties like behind the scenes in the overwatch league that like hey we want to you know spend some more time talking about the coaches like it's not like we're we're like oblivious to this idea of like speaking to coaches and learning more about the coaches so like this is actively like an effort we're trying to do behind the scenes of the awards league is appreciating coaches more learning more about what they do but similarly like they're stuck in this awful position right where like coaches understandably work some of the most busiest jobs in the world like that's part of the reason why i didn't want to coach you know in, instead of being talented so like the, the the amount of hours you have to you have to work when you're a coach and like actual like intelligent work and like very specific work and like it needs to be detailed and it needs to be good day in and day out it's an exhausting job like it's it's crazy how difficult it is to be a great coach um and so understandably they don't always like want to spend time like doing public work and like you know doing interviews and like christopher as you said costa is one of the coaches who's actually done that the most this year and so we have a harder time actually learning more about the coaches but i want to see coaches step forward like whether it's you know Pay from the vancouver titans who at some points like done some content himself um spilo of course formerly of lona spitfire you know he's done some incredible work he was on custom stream for example learned a lot of insightful stuff like there but i want to see more of this work from the coaches themselves and like see them try to you know add their opinion to the to the public spaces sometimes because we really value it it's not that we ignore the coaches it's not that we don't you know appreciate the coaches when they do come out and say very important things we actively want to see more content like this and we appreciate their perspective look if if we could like i'd love to see more like coach opinion like on the watchpoint show and stuff like that because they they are like some of the smartest people around the entire league right so i want to make it known that like I think everyone in this call like want to see like learn more about the coaches the various coaches around the league and what they do and how they operate it's not that we're not trying to or we ignore it it's like we, we we'd love to the, I, I, the reality of it is that most of the fans don't want to hear from the coaches is the problem is most of them want to hear their favorite player talk about something and that kind of stuff i i i, I went into this year and i said i want to do more thing a big part of that as well is that 
a lot of coaches don't want to do interviews. We've asked for coaches in the past in the Watchpoint truck of like, hey, can we talk to this coach? And it's been denied of like the team doesn't want to do it or the coach doesn't want to do it. They want to talk to this player. Um, so, you know, it's not always in our hands. And I think it'd be a good thing if we can start promoting, as Johnny said. Yeah. One, one other additional difficulty uh, on top of what you just said, Scott, is the fact that coaches also don't want to divulge information. They're very guarded about certain... It's rare to have somebody like Gumba come forward. That interview you guys did with Gumba was incredible because he just kind of like said stuff. And I was surprised because most coaches would never divulge that kind of information. It's risky because it could reveal things about your team um, and potentially reveal weaknesses or, or something that could be exposed by another team. So you don't want to say things. Because uh, um, it's risky, and also, uh, I don't know, maybe from a PR perspective, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of negatives that, like, there's there's very little to gain from coaches being open, revealing outside of like, I don't know, boosting yourself, boosting your stocks for coach of the year, and maybe having the public like you more. But there's a lot to lose from from having a coach say things because you're just giving away info, and if you're not giving away info, then you're being really closed about it, and you're giving very shallow answers which no one want no one wants that because then what's the point of having the coach on if you're just giving shallow answers right so it's a tough situation for them to be in yeah it, it's an added headache and i understand why more coaches don't like come out and actually like participate in the public discourse because it's an added headache like why why bother with it? they're not interested in you know the public perception or stuff like that and then we roll around to this year every time and like we're talking about the coach of the year and then like we don't know everything um i do like the suggestion that uh fucking hell this 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 christopher interview is getting mad value right now it's just it's just living rent free great interviews yeah he does some great interviews if you want to get insight into some of those things he does a good job with that i I watched that interview and he was essentially like they should just uh shout out by way to gg recon and yeska who actually make the interview so we're really grateful for that thank you for that content check it out um but he was essentially like you know there's an argument to be made that maybe they should just give out the award to like the whole coaching staff instead of individual coaches themselves and like because he said essentially like if you asked any coach in the league there would be like I need my assistant coaches. Like my assistant coaches does so much for me. Whether it's Face uh, with Smash and uh, on throwing the LA Gladiators, uh, you know, whether it's you know on the London Spitfire with uh, Commander X, for example. Like these people are so helpful. So it's an entire staff. Like I, maybe we should move towards an entire staff, and then maybe like the head coach name is like bolded or something like that. It would just make it way easier to like, the, like, figure out how this award should be awarded and how you should credit the the, the coaches, whether assistant or head coaches or whatever. On the actual team, like it's a it's a team effort, the coaching stuff. So um, I don't know. It's a it's a suggestion to put out there. Holy shit, we're running long. We need we need we need to speed boost this shit, guys. We we gotta we gotta push out the content. Roll so stars. here we go. Uh, but oh, that's the award. We talked about roll stars. Uh, roll stars. Oh god. All right. So um, let's yeah. actually start with supports. We're gonna start with supports here. Um, we're gonna start with supports. How do we want to do this? All right. There. Should we just list our things or nah? Well, okay, so let me just say that this, first of all, like the criteria, all right, the criteria. So cool. um, I believe that Cernias from the Gantra Charge, he's not eligible because I don't think he's played enough. No. He's not played enough. There's a time limit on this thing, a minimum amount of time he must have participated. So, for example, some players will be out. But the most obvious, like, star players are, uh, you know, obviously in contention and uh, available to be um, elected. So, um, yeah, I don't know how to do this shit. Do, do we want to start with you, Joss? Uh, pick one or two support players that like were your at least top two for this uh, Roll Star support category, and then we can move no, on to Costa and see. No, just list them all, and uh, I mean, I can just name two if you really want. No, go, go. You know, we could list them all, and then we can sort of like build up to it as well. You, you, you get to list start, them Joss. all. Let's okay. start, um, start with the four. Um, yeah, start with all four. Start with all four. We got creative. 
we got Shu, we got Twilight, and we got Chorong. There you mm. go. Creative that Shu, is... Twilight, Chorong. Chorong, yes. So uh, from that, no Shanghai Dragon supports and no Fielder from the Dallas Fuel. No. Instead, you got creative I'm going to be well. honest with you, Roll Stars, holy shit. Support Top is, is fucking... very difficult. There's oh like eight players God. who deserve it. Yes. <laughs> you're like how the okay. fuck am i supposed to pick let's say this when we say our actual players we have to qualify like what how we approach all stars and like what our thinking is going into this as well because i think we all have different thinking of like what actually qualifies to a roll star when we get to tank okay. i'm gonna have some spicy picks because i probably have I like different that. criteria like to roll start so let, let me know why did you pick these players like what do you value so, and how did they fit just the criteria like, impact within the team it's like a miniature it, Man, I don't want to say it, but it's like a miniature like MVP almost in like their impact within the team as a whole, how well they've done individually. Support is very difficult. As we noted before, sometimes support's pretty invisible um, to the naked eye or to the, you know, regular viewer's eye. It's pretty tough to do so. So, yeah, I just kind of took it at that, really. It, there's nothing much more crazy in-depth shit that I went into it. I was like, okay, just a valuable support player if I wanted to pick a supports up, who would I ideally go for? Um, and then I went from there. So yeah, I mean, the backline in Toronto Define is fucking stellar. I think Shu and Creative are also very, very good. Um, but yeah, it's like Scott said, it has been pretty tough to choose supports this year because a lot of backlines have been very good and like pivotal to team success. But yeah, that's that's who I went. So I want to, uh, before we move on there, I want to spend some time on creative. Just like, why did you pick creative with that award? I don't know how many of us picked creative, but it's obviously someone who stood out to you, so. Probably, I, I've got a good feeling none of you picked creative, <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, I think just how well he did in Soul Dynasty and like it being a trade where it was like good for both parties, I think that's kind of what spurred it for me. It's like he did very well on Soul Dynasty and then has been on Outlaws. But how long has he been on Outlaws now? I don't know, a month and a half or something. And he also did exceptionally well on that. So it's like, it's not really been like, oh, he was kind of bad here. Now he's better. He was like, he is solid on the Soul Dynasty. He's good. And now he's moved to a different team. He's also still looking pretty fucking good. So that's that's how I qualified that. He would probably, out of the, the four that I have, he'd probably be on the like the bottom of the four. But uh, yeah, I just think consistency between two different teams, I think has been, has been very good. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to Custa, I'm going to save Custa for last for this one because he's an actual like legitimate support. And oh, I'm that's not going to go well. You're, you're, legitimate support? What am I? What the fuck? You're well, illegitimate. I, I mean, <laughs> illegitimate support. Illegitimate. illegitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to save Custa for last because I'm looking forward to his picks. Uh, Avril, who did you select for your four uh, support roll stars? Uh, here we go. Uh, I actually, first of all, I agree with Jack that like this is almost like uh, if you could pick four MVPs for a roll, what would it be? I kind of look at it that way as well, a little bit. Um, without further ado, uh, my picks are Vindame, Iziaki, Shu, Eris. Now, Eris, uh, that's an interesting yeah, one. I like, like it. it. But for similar reasons that Jack picked, cre I'm glad you say creative because, like, I think Eris for me, but for like the exact same reasons, but in the opposite direction because this right. dude, this dude was already like pretty phenomenal on on Houston. I thought Eris was amazing on Houston to start with. Um. From day one, he impressed me from day one. From day one, when they played that Dallas game, 
and he just sleeps sparkle and just like demolishes people on the nana to him getting traded to the soul dynasty in what i still think is potentially one of if not the most beneficial trade mutually beneficial trade in overwatch league history um some might say like dante smurf i well that, that's still like contenders in there like maybe you could say that but i think uh it's un it's undeniable it's un it's uncanny how eris and creative them being traded somehow upgraded both teams i don't know if you could agree with that but they it feels like to me they upgraded both teams and eris just fits on soul uh doesn't They're both good players just instantly, right? he just instantly drops in there and is incredible on that team um and it's like it's like they never lost creative and, and maybe they even gained something uh, i just think he's been one of the top players this entire year no doubt shoes you know, that I don't need to say too much about him. I think he's the best support we have this year. Um, and he's he's a f just the most phenomenal flex support that we have um, and just, just support in general. The reason why I went Iziaki is maybe I'm, I think I'm slightly biased towards flex supports. Obviously, we had this discussion earlier about like, how do you see value? How do you define value? Like, what does that mean? And what does that mean from a support position? I think we all agree that like flex support is a lot easier and a lot clearer in terms of what that value is. When I look across Shanghai's success this year, and look, they started slow, but they eventually got there. You have to remember, they still came, they still did reasonably well in Kickoff Clash. People will say, people will write off the Kickoff Clash. We have to remember, like, they were like one profit pulse bomb away from actually, like, beating Seoul and maybe going to the finals and winning against Philly instead. Uh, I just think, like, Iziaki's been part of every 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 bit of Shanghai's success. Iziaki's been there, and he's been front and center. Um, And, and for, for a support line, where, to be honest, my, my take... Maybe a hot take. I think Lee Jagon fell off a little bit this year. I felt like he wasn't as good this year as previous Agreed. years. And he's actually been role star twice in a row, row and I, justifiably so in, in the last two years. But this year, I, I just I didn't feel it. I felt like he wasn't quite on his money. But one player that was was Iziaki for me. Um, but that even included the Summer Showdown meta where, where he where he swapped a brick. Holy fuck, his brick was insane. Like, wow. Like, you think Lee, Jag Lee Jagon's meant to be the brick player on this team? And Iziaki... You could have you could have turned off the nameplates. I would have thought that was Lee Jagon from last year. Iziaki was so insane. Um, I think that kind of pushed over to me just how good he was even on the main supports. Um, and then Vindane, I think he's one of the top rookies that we have. Um, and it is rare to have a main support player be this good and be like this standout. When we talk about the fact that main supports can be very invisible, it's hard to see their value. It's hard to see them pop off. It's hard to see what they bring to the team. With Vendame, it's very easy to see, actually. It's not just, it's, and I, I don't want to make turn into like a forehead thing, like, oh, yeah, well, you mean he pops on the kill feed or something. It's not even just about that, but like you can see from his POV. I remember one of the uh, best plays I saw from any player this year, support DPS or otherwise, was Vendame had a, he forced a Ajax on Lee Jagon. Lee Jagon was going for a beat. Vendame just fucking swoops in and forces an Ajax or some shit. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, he, what he was doing on Lucio, a, a, a hero that he didn't even play before. His entire history, if you look at his career history, he's only played on O2 Blast for a single year. He only played Brig. He got he got uh, he got benched for Chio in, in a lot of cases because they were swapping between the hero pools. I think Chio played more like Mercy Lucio, and Vinnie came in for the Brig right. Um, and comes into Soul, learns Lucio professionally. Obviously, he's probably played in ranked, but he learns it professionally, and he's just like insane on it. He's he's like outperforming Lee Jagon, who's one of the best Lucios of all time. Um, and then on top of that, his brig is insane. And then, and then what really pushed me as well is like, then he comes out on a Zangada on a double flex. And I was like, what the fuck? This guy can actually just do everything. Um, Vindame has just been so, so unbelievable, uh, for me in this year. Uh, honorable mention goes to Chio, who, who has very similar qualities, but I just couldn't fit him in. I think he'd be my easy fifth, though. Uh, okay. So let's recap that. Shu, Isayaki, Vindame, and 
Iris. Iris. All right, got it. I'm going to write everything. I'm, I'm writing these down so we can compare later. And Joss, you said shoe creative. Twilight Chorong. Twilight Chorong. God, double turn to defined backline. That's a. Uh, that, that's, Adamantium, bro. That's, yeah, that's dynamite right there. All right, I'll mention my next. So for my criteria, I, I don't put value like like how much value you bring to your team. I don't value that. Like this is for me, this is a completely individual reward. How good are you on the support role overall? Like peak performance. Like um, if I'm building a, building a championship roster, who are my like first four picks? Um, I don't put role in the perspective. Like I'm not doing like two main supports, two flex supports. I'm not doing none of that. Um, I give credit and I'm going to give credit to about DPS and tanks as well here. I give credit to flexibility. If you have peak performance, if you're like the best brig in the world, and maybe like you have the best Zenyana in the world, if those are the two only heroes you're capable of playing, and your Ana is trash, if your Bap is trash, stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not rating you as highly. I value versatility and like all-star, just like, are you great at your job? That's pretty much what I value. Um, so for my picks, I picked um, Shu, of course, from the LA Gladiators. He's, he's not a tier of his own. He's just an absolute beast. Best flex support player. It's not even close. Uh, I picked Fielder from the Dallas Fuel. And I picked this Ayaki from the Shanghai Dragons. They sort of like feel sort of like a similar role in that regard. Like I think they're all-star calibers, like flex support players, but also they flexed over to Brig in the Summer Showdown and had really good Brig performances. I was surprised by Ayaki's Brig in the Summer Showdown and how good he was at that role um, for the Shanghai Dragons and obviously helped them win that state title as well. Um, and then for my fourth and final one, I got Violet from the San Francisco Shock. And the main reason why is I'm not saying that he's like one of the better senyaras one of the better Ana, stuff like that i'm not i'm there's probably better people suited for that role but the fact that he can play lucio at like a really high level brig at an incredible level senyara Ana, when people rock up with that badge in the broadcast that a lot of people a lot of, a lot of people pay attention to but that role star badge the viewers know they're going to get an elite performance on whatever support hero they're playing at that time and i think violet is like the epitome of that that category himself like whatever support hero possibly in the realm of overwatch he's going to come out and deliver a great performance maybe not mercy maybe not mercy i don't know about that <laughs> but but i i i had to select violet because of that because i value his versatility on that role so much and being able to play both main support and flex support at the level he does i think that's an incredible achievement so uh i went with uh yeah fielder isayaki shu and violet all right, does that mean it's my turn? It's I, your turn, Costa. Saving the I best wish, for last. I wish you didn't prop me up because I got to tell you guys how I like to do my roll stars is because I actually like to do it off of just like, it's like a gut check almost of like when I'm doing this because you can go down the rabbit hole trying to think about why they should be played. There, are, there were like eight or nine players I was willing to put for roll star. When I first went over it, I'm just like, who would I be willing to put? Then I nailed it down and I actually have one that's like very unconventional, but I'll explain it. So I had uh, both... Dallas Fuel backline. I had Chio and Filter. I really like both of those players. Chio was exceptional to me in this most recent uh, season. I think he's been doing a great job. He's even shown some flexibility recently to play some flex. I think Fielder is massively underrated. I think some people, like, you know, you said Shu is the best by a long shot. I think Fielder does not get enough credit for how much he does uh, for that team and their coordination. I have Shu on the list as well because, as you said, he is very good. And my last one was really like, I, I, I like all of your options. Like I, I, I thought about Violet. I thought about uh, Izyaki. I thought about uh, Twilight and Chorong. 
Uh, I think Lastro hasn't been talked by us at all. And I think Lastro is another good shout for the same reasons that you said uh, with the Lucio, Johnny. Uh, but I actually went with Finn. And I'm just oh, going to okay. say it's because I really like watching Finn play the game. Uh, I, yeah. just, I think he's just chaotic. <laughs> he I think likes to stalk. He, he just likes to fucking go in. I think he likes to go deep. I think he's massively talented. I think he will have better seasons in the future. I think he didn't live up to his own uh, potential this season. But I don't know. I just I, When I was doing this, I, as I said, it was a gut check. And I was like, I just really like Finn. Um, but I think you guys, I think if I was to go back, I would, uh, I'd probably give it to Vindam. One person who hasn't brought up, I think Vindam was also incredible for the same reasons as Pio as well. All right, there we go. Some solid picks all around. I like that. We all had a little bit of flair. We all differed in some, yeah. some it's way or another. Side. There should it be shows how close personal it was. bias yeah. in that it way. It shows right? how like, close support was, yeah, right? For yeah. sure. The fact that we all had different ones. Uh, Shu was the only one who we all four picked. Um, yeah, I don't think you could argue, like, Shu definitely fucking deserves that shit. Like, there's no fucking Do way. you think Shu is overrated in our community? Let me throw this question out. Whoa! I think you just got so much cred and rep for your fintech right there and CEO. And uh, now no, no, you're asking this. this. Yeah, I, no, I okay, and here's, my, here's, here's where I want to add context to it, is like, I feel like we have this, as I said, we all had him and think he deserves to be in the role style list, but I think there are some people who genuinely believe he should be the MVP of the league. And I feel like at some point, his performances being potentially amplified to a ridiculous point by like community circle jerk in a way, right? Like he is a great player. He is probably the best flex support in the league, but do I think he is head and shoulders better than every other flex support? I don't know if I agree with that. Actually, Scott, I, I take responsibility for that. I, I called Shu the best support in the league in the mid-season finals, and then, uh, well, the community kind of just took that and ran with it. So I'll take responsibility. My bad. Yeah. I, I'm sure you were the only one, Avril. He's he's the yeah, best was, in the no league, and I think so, yeah. flex. But <laughs> I, I, so as I said, some people have this like he is MVP, he is the goat of all flex supports, and I think there are people that are closer to him. Yeah, I, I, you know what? The, the level of shoe overrating that I will put my foot down on is the people that would rather have shoe as MVP than proper. Now that is fucking overrating him by a country mile. Would you put shoe over Kevster? If you like remove proper from the no, equation, I wouldn't even put Shu over Kevster. And the reason it, yeah. why, and the reason why is, I hate to say this, but listen, Kevster is like the the rock, the core of the team. You can't you can't bench him. They bench Shu, they can't bench Kevster. Impossible, right? And I don't care about people saying like, oh, well, it's not fair. It's not as matters. Like, I don't give a fuck. It's it's not about fairness. It's about who's best. It's about who's who's most important. Who's most valuable, right? It's the fairness fairness has no contribution to that discussion at all for me. Yeah, so, I mean. I, I, Sorry, I derailed you on that one, Johnny. <laughs> I, I don't think any star player of Shu's caliber has had to compete for his role with the likes of Skewed and Funny Astro in a double main support meta either. That's just like, a, are we are we gonna bench either Funny Astro or Skewed at Lucio and Brig over Shu coming yeah. in and rooking one of those roles? Like, it's just it's just tough. That's a hard position to be in. Part of you know that's part of being part of like a you know an all star roster like the LA Gladiators, but. It does suck that Shu didn't wasn't present for that stage. Yeah. Okay. All right, there we go. Let's uh, right. let's round this up. We got for Gladiators fans on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Let's do damage next. Roll stars for damage and save the tanks for last. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. Can I, I go first on this one because I went last. last yeah, time. sure. Go for it. Go for it. All right, so for me, uh, with the way I do DPS is I go raw carry potential of you and your role as DPS. Uh, so I have a pretty simple list on that one. Pelican, Kevster, Proper, Prophet. Just the, the four 
the four players who are all very hyperflex in a lot of ways, just very strong, and the players who just take over games. Like they are, oh. uh, it's it's another one of like I think Rollstar. I take away just like raw numbers and that kind of stuff of like who do I love to watch in this role? Like who are my favorite DPS players to watch? Who like, does the most? It, if if some like a novice viewer came into the Overwatch League and, and you were like, hey, I want to watch, or they were like, hey, I want to watch, watch these a, a Genji player or like a damage player, who should I watch? And you're like, watch these four players. Because Rollstar, I don't think is as much mini MVP as you guys said. I'm more of a like they're roll stars. They're stars. They're not the like potentially like the best best. Like watch these fucking guys, and those are the four that I think you should watch. I right. think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. Obviously, there's some, like obviously there are some like let me. I'll I'll go in like I think Lip was a is always a good shot in any season. Hey, don't um, step on our picks. Come on now. Okay, Come on, okay, don't well, step on our I, picks. I, we got honorable mentions I'm over well, here okay, already. Okay, 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 you go. Okay, okay. You know, if you wanted to give an honorable mention to like Valentine or something, I would have been down. But stepping on like <laughs> top tier players, come on now, come on now. It, okay, my on, honorable Johnny, mention then is to Aspire okay. because I love watching him play as well. Can you, can I you think repeat right. who your that's, that's a good honorable mention? Can you repeat who your four was again? I think I missed it. Uh, Pelican, Kevster, a proper prophet. Okay, okay, yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, there we go. I got some crackhead takes in mind. Oh, no, let's save Jaws for last. Let's save Jaws for last with yeah, the crackhead takes. I, you guys want to know the crazy thing? I look over a chat and someone says Pelican didn't really take over games though. I don't know what games you're watching, but you, Pelican won them That's games single-handed. That's a Houston hater right there. That's a Houston hater. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, he, he deadlifted on Genji in a non-nanoblade meta. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, he just regularly like dice people over. Uh, let's go with you, Avril. Who did you pick for damage, Rollstar? Yeah, uh, I also went with proper. Do we? I think we all went with proper. Like J Jack would have to be fucking crazy to go for proper. I went for Come proper. On, I did. I did. Okay. Okay. okay so okay. we all went for proper. Yeah. Proper lip profit Kevster is my four. So the only That's difference good. is lip I Kevster. had, okay. I had lip instead of pelican. Which is fair. Uh, and you and you had him as your your honorable mention. I I just put him in there. I and you know what? I'll I'll, I'll pass the same back. I'll have pelican as my honorable mention. So we will keep it keep yeah, it level. There we go. Um. And I for me I just to me I'm just like. Who do I think are potentially the four best DPS players? Um, and also like a little bit of value to the team, because obviously, you know, we, we talked about how what our criteria was. And um if Proper's MVP, he's gotta be a roll star, no question about that. Um, Kev was probably the second best flex DPS this year after Proper. I gotta I gotta have him in there. Prophet has been unreal uh throughout the entire year. Um he's the way he flexes across everything. I mean, I, I joked about having Profit as a support role star, but I mean, he he he, he even just played Brig for an entire stage. It was so impressive. That maybe shouldn't, maybe it's not fair to add that into like discussion about a DPS because I'm not a DPS hero, but still, I just think it adds a lot to Profit's uh, repertoire. And uh, he's just been. A t I think he deserved. It. Do, do you know, guys? By the way, do you know that Profit has never been a role star? He has never been a role star in his entire career. Do you know that? What? I think he's been robbed. I think it's he's the, one of the most robbed the players of all time. Smurf. It's the it's the same thing with Smurf, right? Of like he's so consistently good that I feel like we just take it for granted. So you know what? Like time. fuck it. This year he this year he deserves it. This year he's 100%. he was legitimately one of the top players. And if he doesn't, if Prophet doesn't get Rollstar again, then he is officially the most robbed player of all time. I promise you. And then my final one, Lip, is just like I think Lip was a top hit scan. You know, when I, when I look across all hit scan players, the other top players are like shy happy i think they were all brilliant they were all fantastic edison took too long to warm up for me um kilo kind of started to fall off uh i mean the fact merit's that they had to get as well merit's actually not a bad shout but i think i prefer lip yes yeah, um 
you know, I, I think Merritt's been fantastic, but Lip is Lip is class. I mean, this guy is still right at the tippy top, and you you see what he's doing on that surgery. You see what he's doing on his 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 scan picks. It's phenomenal. So yeah, Wait, Avril, because you're the our resident APAC, what do you think about? the Zest hype train that is coming out right now. Do you agree with that? Like, is Zest, would Zest be close to your list? He is one of the top players. I, I just think the, the, the DPS list is very competitive yeah. because we're, like, for fuck's sake, I had to leave Pelican off. It doesn't, <laughs> feel, it doesn't feel good that I had to leave Pelican off. So there's a lot of, there's a, there's a big queue for the DPS players. Like, as far as we say, like, support's hard, DPS is, like, easy, but it's also hard in another way because... I think I know who I think my top four are, but beyond that, I, there's like another five amazing DPS players right afterwards. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just tough. And Zest is one of them. Uh, I will give a shout out to Funkmaster6 in the YouTube chat who said that AKM, AKM deserves a shout out. There you go. Yeah. Just out of nowhere dropping net. the AKM. Like there you I go. Like a killing machine. Did you guys know that? No, no, I'm kidding. That's a joke, I think. I, that was a meme. I don't know. That was like a meme in 2018 or something. I don't even think it's true. I don't think so. Um, maybe it is. I, I was oh, on the same team, I should know. Anyway, um, yeah, I think I think Merit is a good shout. I wanted to give that a mention as well. Like, I think Merit is a good shout, but like, we're, we're talking about like the four best damage players in the world, and like, it's so hard to like replace someone with Merit. But I totally agree that like Merit is definitely underappreciated in that regard. Um, so like, he's someone that we should give more praise, Merit, because he's had an outstanding season, been one of the best hits game players in the league. All right, my picks. Not as, not as fun anymore, because it's the exact same as Avril. I got proper lip, oh, wow. Kevster, and Profit. Um, so there you go as well. Uh, all I'll say is, you know, I, th I think Avril said most of the things for me. All I'll say is, I th I am probably the biggest supporter of Rollstar ever. I think this shit is so much fun. Yeah, I good, love yeah. doing this. I just, like, picture these people, like, in the same room. Obviously, they're never going to be in the same room. But, like... The, the absolute best players in Overwatch history, just like playing against each other, like talking with each other. I just love that vibe. I am the biggest pr probably proponent of the All-Star game. Give me that shit back. I want to see these guys go head to head, even if it's on Torb, even if they don't care. I don't know, incentivize them somehow, because we need to see all these players in the same lobby at the same time. It needs to happen. Ken, I love we the All-Star game. We can't do Tiny Overwatch again. Can't, they, they all go in LA. So Proper lip, proper kefs are all going to be in LA. Yeah, look, I love the All-Star game. Please make it happen to like play us for some bullshit. I don't know how to incentivize these players. There has to be a way. Get, tell them, you don't tell them to get a unique skin in the game. They'll be all over that shit. No, you don't want them to try too hard because that shit gets... You want that perfect balance of you want them to try but not care that much, right? You got to find that perfect balance. Actually, all... Every single one of my roll stars, without spoiling it, every single one of my roll stars is in the playoffs. Yeah, well, that's usually how it goes. That's, yeah, if yeah. you're I'm just top saying, four like, they damage, will, they will, good. they will all be in the same place so that we can actually. Right, make you want the, you want the actually crackhead all take right, right now. Oh, crack so. from Jack is off the I'm going crazy. Right. I'm off the fucking goop with at least half of them. Well, with half of them. Two. <laughs> with half of them. This <laughs> oh, is some wild shit. I'm about to put on the fucking timeline, bro. He's got Becky on there. Listen to this. Okay, we got your classics. All right, we got proper. We got the other P player, the Prophet. Hold ben. the phone. Did you not put Kevster on your fucking list? <laughs> Watch this. Oh, God. Guy. Oh. Ah, it hurts, Ooh. but I'm like, I can't. Watch this. Isu. 
I think he's a good guy. I think he's the funnest fuck player to watch. I put the Heese down. The Heese be least in the Roll Stars, bro. Did you, There's uh, no fucking way. I'm probably the only one that voted Heesu in Roll Stars damage. Jack, do you Do you do you have Hopper and Muse as your tanks Roll Stars as well? Or? Let me check. <laughs> let me, let me. Have right. you got the hold for a define on there? Or? We'll get to that in a minute. Twilight Chorong in a Heesu on his Roll Stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did have Twilight of Chorog, didn't you? Yes. Why, oh yeah. my God. Why don't you put Finale on there, this? bro? Come on. Oh, uh, you right. know, I had to make it fair, bro. I had to, like, some of the other players deserved it too. <laughs> oh my God. He's Kevster, bro. All right. I... Honorable mention, I will say Kevster. Honorable mention, Kevster. <laughs> Honorable <laughs> mention, Kevster. I love it. I love it, bro. <laughs> Uh, that was pretty entertaining. Uh, All right. Hey, shy though. Shy. I honestly, God, I that wish was, he was on a better team. That shy was some of the best beast, individual bro. performances we've yeah, ever seen in the mid-season madness. That was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Like, you got to give credit he, to that. He literally couldn't have carried harder if he fucking tried. The Hangzhou like, Spark were like, oh. God. The shock are giving all their resources to proper, and they were like, "Watch this." <laughs> <laughs> Hold my nano boost. <laughs> Literally every ability in the game to shy, um, and it worked. I mean, it was amazing to watch. All right, tank. Thanks. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Who wants to go first? I think we'll let Jaws go first because Jaws, you want me to go first. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, there's no. Okay, spoiler alert. There's no Toronto to find on my tank list. I, I know. I think this I was know. the hardest role. Personally. No, no. No? I disagree. I don't. I, I, don't. Think, I think support was harder, personally, um, out of all of the players. So we'll start with, I guess, the APAC tanks or tank Smurf I got for that one. Um, and I got Hawk, Hanbin, and Reiner overall. Okay. I think that that's quite a lukewarm. Um, so lukewarm. Normal, I think that's lukewarm. quite lukewarm. It's a, a reasonable. See. All right. No. I don't think you could. I, argue I, I have more to say about this later, but maybe I want to. Yeah. I would like to go after Jaws okay. because my list is Smurf, Hawk, Hanbin, and Reiner as well. I, I okay. think. I think I, I think Reiner is the one that I. Uh, Reiner and Hawk are the. I think. Everyone's going to put Han, Bin, and Smurf. Like, I think that is yes. probably going to be the staple of everyone's list. And then I think it really comes down to what you prioritize. I think Reiner winning two stages and being a dominant, like his ability to dive and his coordination with it was very, very strong. And Hawk, I do love his flexibility and his ability to step into the role and play lots of different heroes. Uh, I think there's probably some APAC tanks who would like to have a word. Um, but... All right. And so that's just what I like. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Oh. Okay, right. wait. How? How? Okay, how much crack are you on, Johnny? Avril, S, like, what I, are your yeah, picks? Yeah, how I are want they? crack at the. I want the crackers yeah. take at the end. Yeah. How? I don't think. Oh I've got god, that they're crack. both bad. I've only got. They're no, both no, crazy. Only, no, no, no. Mine's not that bad. I did do. I did do okay. one person dirty, but it's not that bad. All right, bad. Avril first, and then Johnny last. Then go on. Go on. Which tank do you think I did dirty here? I think well, you fucked Hanbin over. 
No. Oh, come no. on. No. no. He fucked Hulk over. He's like, get this out of the rain shit out of my building. Yeah, Johnny's right. I fucked Hulk. Sorry. I fucked Mike Hulk. My bad. What no, he's he is he is really good. He is really good, but like you'll you'll see this in it. Okay, so my my the obvious three, Smurf, Harmon, Ryan, I gotta lock him in. Yeah, okay, Mr. Skoda kind of sucked on the Junk Queen, whatever. I think he's still been phenomenal the rest of the year and everything else he played. I think it'd be a bit of a crime to not have him in there. Um, you know, he he might have been exited from the rookie of the year race, but I think he still deserves to be a role star. Smurf Harmon, you can't, you know, that, that's just obvious, right? Can't believe you thought I dogged. I thought you were going dirty and like Hawk wouldn't have been that bad of a snub and I know you're not going to snub Smurf so I, I, I thought Harmon was next on the list so the reason I snubbed Hawk and believe me Hawk has been fantastic this year but the reason I snubbed him is because Dude, there was one player video, there's one player that I've just been so unbelievably impressed by that like maybe this is one of those I like the stock moments but like he's he's just such a great player and it's Dante Oh, yeah. It's oh, fucking yeah, Dante. Yeah. I have yeah, Dante as my right. role star. Yeah, so it's Smurf, Harbin, Ryan, and Dante. And the reason is because this dude, he 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 role swapped onto Tank. So he's he's coming in at a major disadvantage compared to everyone else. And no, don't nobody please bring up the diva from like 2013 or some shit. I, I don't care. That it doesn't looks good count. against Shock, man. Um, I'm talking about like him mostly playing DPS for his career because I know someone is be like, oh, he played Diva once. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like. He mostly played DPS. He roll swapped the tank, and somehow he can he he can contest and play against all the top tanks in the league. I think the moment that sold it for me was when Houston beat Dallas. I'm like, holy fuck, Dante just beat Harbin. What? That's, yeah, that that moment crazy. sold it for me. When that moment happened, I put Dante. I locked Dante in. 100%. I voted before that moment. Sad. <laughs> I I voted as late as possible. I won't say why. You guys actually know why. Uh, but uh, I voted as late as possible, and so I got to see everything. And so I was like. Right, when I saw Dante beat Harmon and Houston beat Dallas, I locked I locked that motherfucker in. I was like, Dante, you are all-star now. I right. I want to give some love because I don't think Johnny's going to give love this way. And if he does, I'm sorry. But I'm going to give it to our Australian brethren in punk. Damn uh, it! Fuck! No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I didn't I think punk has done a great job of once yeah. again going against the grain and being able to perform a high level. He definitely doesn't deserve to be in the top four list, uh, but is an honorable mention. Yeah. I, I it was one of those candidates where I actually sat down and like I looked at the stats lab for like an hour and I was like should Punk be in the conversation right here and I like I gave him a fair amount of you know credits and I like you know I reviewed it and then I was like eh sorry Punk I can't do it but he is actually like if you go over the stats he's actually statistically impressive on like most of the heroes he plays and it's not only like a diva or a, sorry like he's actually well-rounded good he in many, many ways he is like a really good jote you know but he's not Top four yet so maybe if it was on a better team anyway for my picks smurf hanbin mm -hmm. reiner mm -hmm. hawk oh so it's the same i'm the only one so delighted that I, I that we all agreed because i was i was i was shitting bricks about this i was so anxious <laughs> i'm gonna really i spent dude i spent the better part if i missed watching some of the games this past weekend it was because i was on my laptop in the watchpoint truck just like furiously looking at the stats lab and like giving cases and like i i went over this and i'm like i didn't want to rob void because i think that void like is such a fucking great tank like i love yeah. void but it's he's also on the team with faith and i'm like ah, it's so hard to like 
Whereas some of these other candidates, like Reiner, for example, like great Doomfist, like Winston, Reinhardt, played fucking Roadhog. Um, it's Diva and Saria hasn't really been up to par. You know, he had the Junker Queen incident in Summer Showdown. Obviously, Junker Queen just wasn't it. But like the fact that he can play Doomfist at such a high level, I will say, if you're questioning Reiner's like Diva and Saria after these past couple of weeks in the Countdown Cup, I will say what Space said in the interview he did with the Watchpoint Truck was like, Space was actually like the Saria and the Diva player for the LA Gladiators, but then he fell sick. And so Reiner had to fill in that role on short notice and play those heroes. So. With that in mind, I'm willing to like, you know, give him a bit of like forgiveness and credit in that regard. I don't think that like Reiner looked great against New York, for example, playing those heroes. But I don't think that was fully his his fault as well. So, but I honestly, I I, I felt like I robbed uh, Void in the in this case because I think Void is just so spectacular. I just didn't trust his didn't trust his other heroes stuff like I, that. Well, that's the thing. I thought I think Void peaked on Junker Queen this year. I I don't feel bad about not adding Void in there because I feel like. He mostly got benched by fate and he peaked on Junker Queen. And it's like he's yeah, he was he was very important for the summer showdown, but he probably will he actually Void's about to be very important for the playoffs, but we can't include that into the all-star discussion because this is a regular season. So I, I don't think you should feel bad about leaving Void out personally. That's coming from me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Void we all know how good Void is, but I don't think he's had the season for it. Uh, I also think, I don't know about you guys, but I heavily favored flexibility as a big part of my oh, 100%. Uh, thing in Roll Stars for this year. Yeah. So people who did have that flexibility were shot up to list. And I think that's why a lot of APAC, there's not a lot of APAC tanks in there because almost like all the APAC teams have two tanks where they have their dive tank and they have their, you know, other tank. Um, so, yeah. Oh, you don't like Piggy playing two heroes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also say I, I gave I, another person I was looking at was Kalush as well from the San Francisco Shook because if you talk about flexibility, I think he's done a great job in that regard, like filling in even on the Winston and playing some of these Winston compositions with the Shook. I think he's done a great job. Junker Queen, I mean, the made the finals of the Summer Showdown, um, and you know he was definitely up there as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to give some credit to Kalush as well. He was someone I seriously considered. In many ways, I also also felt like I almost like. F considered like dropping hawk here i know we all picked no everyone didn't pick hawk but i considered oh, dropping hawk because i'm like say what you want about hawk being versatile and playing so many different heroes i looked this up hawk has um more than one hour play time on six different tank heroes this season um and he had like 30 minutes on reinhardt as well so despite having great run roster and that's just like a philosophical approach the atlanta rain made um hawk just was the single tank player and if he had to play a hero he did it but um, you know, despite its versatility, like you gotta be able to compete like peak as well. And I think it's without a doubt Hawk's best heroes is like Doomfist, Diva. Um, and then you know, you gotta question like the Winston, the the Saria, uh, how do these heroes like stack up? And it gets very difficult in the top four. So I left Hawk in because I think you know he is the Jot after all, and we value flexibility. But I was considering like, you know, he probably might have been like the first player of my top four if I had to replace someone. Um, but he's in there nonetheless. So there you go. All right, there you go, Brawl Stars. Um, I'll also say about this category, the top two, like Smurf and Hanbin, they're in a separate tier. Like, uh, they're just fantastic, yeah. Um, so if you wanted to make an all-star team, you know, you'd have to start, I think, with Hanbin, Smurf, Shu, and Proper, and then you fill in a lot of damage and support. Um, I know we only have one tank now in the lineups, but I'll pick Hanbin and Smurf because they're tied. So, there we go. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a cool four out of six players to build a team around. Um... 
Anyway, bring that bring back the All-Stars game. I'm gonna start uh, one of those survey petitions, whatever thing. Go go sign it. Bring back the All-Star game for the Overwatch League. We'll enjoy it. Alright. Um We're three hours into the podcast, guys. And Ooh, I'm gonna be real with ready. you guys. I had Prince uh, of the Week? No, I we actually have two more. I can I can I introduce a new segment for five minutes? Do you guys have five minutes? How pissed off will you guys be if we go five minutes more? I'm okay. kind of hungry, but I'm all right. Yeah, what's yeah, up? Yeah, no, I'm a little hungry too, but yeah, that's fine. Okay, we got we got a new we got a new topic here, and I actually thought that you know it'd be it'd be ironic, but um, because we we're just talking ironic. about void, um, but I'm going to introduce a segment, and we'll see where this goes. Maybe we'll bring it back in a more extended fashion rather than five minutes. All right. It's the Void is Washed Worst Take of the Week Award. Uh, is this from 2020? This is from 2020, <laughs> when I said probably oh, wow. one of the worst takes in Overwatch Esports history, and I got absolutely like, dude, I got like shamed across the streets. It was like the Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> I had to walk around the competitive Overwatch Reddit uh, and just like naked, and they just shamed me. Look, all right, uh -huh. so here's the thing. A lot of people, they sometimes say that we have bad takes on the broadcast or whatever. I've actually, by the help of Sirius Dogstar, who's one of my subscribers, one of my community members, much credit to him. He helped me out here. Uh, they actually, um, I don't know their pronouns. Uh, they helped me pick out um, these takes. So we're going to give a review and we're going to crown one of the worst takes that we can possibly find here um, uh, oh, out of these. So I've picked out the takes already. I just need you guys to tell me okay. which of these is worst, okay? And then we can move on from oh, the show, yeah. all right? So let's start out here. These are about a week old, I think. I, think, I don't think this is from the past weekend. I think they're one week before, but it doesn't matter. They're funny as well. First up, Toronto versus Vancouver. Oh my God, this is small. They need to replace Choron <laughs> with an actual good support player. Holy <laughs> shit, that's <laughs> a bad take. By, like, dude's <laughs> flair, by the way, is I only like old Philly. That's a pretty good, pretty, pretty, pretty spicy take right there from Dazzling Bear three four four seven. I like you got the replies in there as well. Yeah, yeah, Jerome's got yeah. a whole studio apartment in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, moving on, moving on. I wonder how I swap pages here from this. Let's move on. We got oh that didn't work. Fuck. Let's just do it like this. All right. Control W. Yaki single-handedly showed he's the best Western region tracer with this match. Better than Kevster, better than Proper. He's simply <laughs> better. Oh, God. Go. Oh, <laughs> Dude, that's a vast throwaway account right there. It is. Tiberius29. <laughs> uh, that was after the Glads versus NYXL. Five map banger. There we go. Thank that's you, Tiberius, for that one. Moving on. This is versus Fusion versus Charge. Fusion deserved this for making absolutely zero roster moves. <laughs> Symmetrical BS response. Hmm? The only player remaining on Philly from last what? year is Carpe. And if you mean mid-season roster boost, then a lot of teams in the league didn't do it, not just Philly. Uh, what what, what wow. Philly are they talking about? Are they like years too late? They right, I can't wait like for EQO. Past? Play EQO. I think like... <laughs> On a factual level, this one is like the most incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. Like, yeah. It's impressive. Zero roster moves. Brings in Cest, MN3. <laughs> Fixa, aim god. Uh, did this work? Someone said this worked. Oh, this works, actually. Here we go. Next take. San Francisco Shock, still trash. Straight to the loser's bracket with this team. <laughs> um, this was after they, of course, had a struggling four-match uh, loser. Um, Loser streak or whatever. Kratos comes in at the end. He had one good game on his best hero. Relax, bud. This was about Striker as well. Uh, nice try pickup. All right. This seems about lukewarm. Not a lot of people laughing at this one. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Next one. If May was not a hero, Backbone would be in the conversation for the worst DPS in the league. 
<laughs> wow. What? I feel like Backbone has done a great DPS job of showing flex. Like his Genji was better. Like I his feel Genji's like this. Good. No, this person's a super viewer. He, he he saw Super talk about Backbone in week one and his Genji, and he's like, "I've turned off my bra. I have decided ah. that I will not watch <laughs> Backbone no more." <laughs> Someone says censor the usernames. We're not censoring shit. These what motherfuckers the need to live up to their <laughs> takes, all right? Shit about us you all talk the time. shit about we're, us all the time. Yeah, here we go. Like, accountability. Yeah, accountability. Yeah, this is your own medicine. All right, here we go. Next one. Krusty is a oh. dog shit coach. <laughs> laughing my fucking ass out. Match was honestly a stump besides the last map and JT. JT could have easily gone to the finals with some better ults and push went from the most brutal gore dominance we've seen so far into a really close ending actually. All the game talk aside, something bothers me a lot. And that's the godforsaken finale slander. Finale, finale is so good. Proper this, proper that. I swear, <laughs> the Observer spent more time watching Proper and Striker while outside of team fights than they did on finale. Obviously, Shock's DPS are more popular and it's alright to see their POVs in team fights but we saw almost no finale on paraiso he dicked finn or violet three times in a row and we didn't see any of it in busan downtown finale finishes proper with a really cool blink into a turn melee the cast has only mentioned that the shock lost proper proper then does literally the exact same thing on paraiso first and then spent a whole 10 seconds praising it he's been a medicine tracer since day one where he completely shut out the outlaws doom comp that being said he soon just had his way with your shitty team <laughs> Hey, it's just me and my account. Where yeah, you find this post, bro? Hey, what the fuck? Bronto my favorite thing is listening to people's Twitch take, uh, Twitch takes and like YouTube chat takes and like listening to them. And then you're like, they are a fan of this team. And you can yeah. work it out so quickly. I didn't have to look at the Toronto Defiant flare to know that this guy would be unbiasedly going towards the Toronto Defiant. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, extremely biased. I Super biased, you mean? <laughs> I love it. Great stuff. Thank you. This is content. Here we go. Dragons versus Fusion. Pretty sure Dragons would lose to Eternal <laughs> oh, right now. Come on. <laughs> come on. What? Holy come shit. Come on. That's bad. That's just. Nah, no. No. That deserves more than negative. I think this is. I think this is currently my front runner now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bad. All right. I don't know. I'm like, is this sarcasm? Uh, like, yeah, are they trying know. to joke? Yeah. Is yeah. this comedy? This has to be comedy, Tight. surely. Uh, anyway. um, I think, I think, I think that's it. Yeah, there you go. So those are the worst takes I... of the week, dominate uh, the candidates. Which one do we go Either for? Either the last one or the first one, bro. They need to replace Trong with an actual good support player as a meme. There's no way. Yeah, There's I think no the Yaki way. one was a little worse than this one. I think the Yaki one was yeah, a little yeah, bit. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with the Yaki one as well. Yaki? Like saying that Yaki is better I, than yeah, Kevsa right. and proper. It's just like Yaki's a great tracer, but Kevsa and proper, yeah, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this. Yeah, Tiberius twenty nine. No, actually, no, actually, Yaki performs at the same level as Kevsa and proper. Every now and then, like once in a blue moon, he performs at the same level. So I don't think it's as heinous. Come that's, on. What that's what I'm saying. Is the Shanghai Eternal yeah, one is the most heinous? That's just because it's that's like it's wrong, like literally yeah. off. It's one of those three: first, last, or this Yaki one. Are we just gonna get let this finale finale simp and crusty slander just pass us by? That's, Are we just gonna funny though. That's also yeah, I guess that's true. This it, seems it, like a copy pasta, dude. I don't know. Yeah, that being was, said, Hisu I mean, just had know. it his way with your shitty team. <laughs> 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 Hisu just he, had his way. He also said on parry, so he dicked Finn all violent yeah. like three Come times on, in a row. This is a great storytelling. This is like <laughs> This is like not about the take, but like it's well formatted. It's hilarious to read. It is. This is this is the sanest Toronto fan. Yeah, sanest. <laughs> the most sane Toronto fan. This is what should Such be said. Like, fans. 
This is a meme, right? And that's what Reddit and Twitter should be about. Like, even if you're saying memes, dumb shit, yeah. at least it was in a fun meme format. <laughs> well, like, some of these people are just off the goop with some of the things that they're saying. Dude, the fucking worst take of the week award should be the fucking thread that I hate you, Johnny. That should be in there too. <laughs> oh, so that, I was hate pretty, you. that was a pretty bad take. Yeah, it, apparently someone tried to storm up a narrative that Joss hates me. Good. Despite the fact that we do a podcast oh. on a weekly basis and we play dual rank. We play together. That actually that's is the one. I think that actually is the one. That's a pretty bad one. take. That's a good winner. Anyway. I think, honestly, the last we need, one We need a winner, guys. I think I this is Dragons versus Paris. Paris. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragons versus Paris. Dragons versus Paris. Last one. Last yeah. All right. Congrats to XP27. Now, what I am going to fear... I'm going to dread this, is that people are going to purposely make bad takes to end up on Platchat. Right. And we need to be able to filter, we need to filter out, like, the people hunting the Worst Tech Award, and people who genuinely believe it. And that is going to be a challenge, but I, I think this segment's a success, we'll bring it back. Sounds good. Yeah. You, do yeah. you, do you won't flames. know when we bring it back, it's not going to yeah. be every week. And maybe it won't be next week, it probably will be next week. <laughs> no, Johnny! <laughs> there we go. Uh... Great, great new segment. All right, Brent's Player of the Week, and then let's get out of here. All right. All right. Who, do we, who are our candidates for Brent's Player of the Week? What do we think? I have one. I have one. All right. Amaranth, she's currently playing Overwatch 2 and streaming it. Let's fucking go, no, baby. Absolutely. Single-handedly carrying Overwatch 2. No. Twitch, she's currently streaming Overwatch 2, promise you. That's how you yeah. know we made it. We are, we are so mainstream now that even Amaranth is playing Overwatch she's 2. She's gotten out of the hot tub to play Overwatch I mean, 2. Now. 100%, <laughs> I promise you. Yeah, that's is she rocking sick. the Torb skin, the beach Torb skin? She's, no, she's playing Tracer with the default skin, I think. Oh, oh. No. That's pretty epic. I am, I, as, a, as a co-founder of Platchat LLC, I am vetoing this decision. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. I wanted to say it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um. um. <laughs> oh my god, the YouTube chat is lighting really up about, about Amaranth. Jesus Christ. Get, get, <laughs> get, get the fucking... Get the fucking We've salt. just lost all of our viewers, by the way. Yeah. No yeah. one is tuned in. Get, get just the holy water. Close the tab. Amaranth stream. You're, you're actually you're actually joking, but our viewership is actively dropping. Um, what if we what if we give it to the developers for just the shitstorm of a week that they've probably had to go through this week and everything that is thing? And we appreciate like as much as it's easy to be critical of everything that's happened in this launch, you need to appreciate this is obviously not what they wanted, and this has probably been one of the most brutal weeks in their lives, or at least their careers. Probably hella stressful. Yeah, yeah there's no shot. Yeah, I'm down for that. That's a that's a really good one. That's a good shout. All right. There we go. I completely agree as well. Like, they've worked so hard this past week to make everything happen and make everything work. So, uh, the Overwatch developers, thank you for all your hard work and your passion. We appreciate you so much. We're sorry that the launch was not as you want it to be, but we're extremely grateful for uh, the great Overwatch 2 experience that everyone seems to be enjoying, including Amaranth. So, there you go. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Yay. All right. Plat Chat, episode 146, signing out. Next week, we'll talk about who actually made it out of the APAC planes and... The Western Plains is going to be a banger episode. See you then.